Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What's up, Rangers and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in. For the latest episode of Rangers Review, myself, Wardy, may you guys know me from my Mets channel, Wardy NYM. Also, also a good friend, Steven, the co-host here, Stat Boy Steven, you guys probably know him from Twitter, has north of 9,000, not subscribers, but followers, because he does everything regarding the Rangers, especially covering their prospects, does a fantastic job. But we haven't done an episode in quite a while now, and that's been because so much has gone on. So I know a lot of you guys miss this live stream if you're watching on YouTube right now, maybe on Replay. We apologize. I know that everything's kind of last minute here. And also, if you're listening on the podcast form, I know you might not be hearing it until maybe later today, that being this Monday or maybe even Tuesday. But regardless, we have a lot to get into. There's so many reasons as to what has transpired since we last spoke over two weeks ago. And yeah, just Rangers, 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 nothing but positive on the Rangers front. Steven knows that very well. So we'll be going over the past really three weeks for the Rangers, at least according to here on um on Rangers review. So week six, week seven, week eight, which consisted of seven games for the Rangers. They did very well during that span. We'll be giving our thoughts along with plenty of games that Steven was in actual attendance for those games. So he can definitely give more of an in-depth breakdown than what I could watching from home. We'll also get into the upcoming games towards the end of this episode. It's definitely going to be a prolonged one for sure. We'll be getting into Igor's injury, also individual player performances, exactly how Steven's trip went as a whole in New York and taking some questions towards the end, and even to begin things along with what's been happening around the NHL as a whole. So a lot to get into. Again, thank you so much, everyone, that's first chiming in the live stream, or if you're listening on replay or wherever you get your podcast, thank you as well. But Steven, long time no see, my friend. How are you today? Good, good. Uh, came back to, I landed in Dublin yesterday morning early, uh, 4.45 a.m. Um, came home around 6. You know, you have to wait for your suitcases and uh, this and that, so um went to bed slept a couple of hours um and then today was my first day back at work so it's nice to be back i thoroughly enjoyed my trip to new york um rangers going five and oh while i was in new york so you should have stayed steven you're welcome fans um (laughs) funny story the rangers won as many games in in my two weeks in new york as the islanders have done all season so i'm pretty sure Well, yeah, I care we'll that the, we'll get into the Islanders disaster shortly. Uh, Don't worry. Last time the Islanders won, it was still daylight saving time, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, a great trip to New York. Uh, I was able to reconnect with some uh, old friends, um, you know, meeting some new people, meeting people that I've met online for the first time now in person. Um, most notably, uh, Steve Veliquette, who took time out of his day to meet up with me before the game against the Buffalo Sabres on Sunday. That was, I think, the 21st. Um, so that was definitely uh, one of the highlights of my trip. Uh, and then just, you know, running into people that I've met before, like Lafreniere's dad, uh, Nils Lundqvist's father and grandpa, uh, players too, like talking to Cabo Caco for the first time in two years. Uh, was kind of funny interaction, actually, because I was wearing the Lafreniere um, QMJHL jersey that's now mm-hmm. back on my wall here. Um, and, uh, I walked up to Capo Caco after the game was outside and, uh, I said, Hey, Capo, do you, uh, 
have time for a quick picture. He's like, oh, yeah, haven't seen you in a while. And he looks at my jersey. He's like, nice jersey, but why no TPS? And we're just cracking up. Um, so, yeah, overall, the, the New York part of the trip was great. Uh, I went to Hartford for, for a weekend to see the Wolfpack play. I uh, was able to connect with kids like Justin Richards, Patrick uh, Kodorenko, Tarmo Riun, and then Lauri Pauriniemi, all kids that I've interviewed over the last two years. So meeting them in person was definitely a nice a nice experience after that. Um, went to an Islanders game, saw them lose to the Sharks in overtime. I wanted to see the new arena, and tickets were only like 28 bucks. So and I was like, you know what? Let's add another hockey game. And... Um, the last game I watched was uh, the college hockey game at the Garden, uh, Cornell against Boston University, Red Hot Hockey on the 28th. Um, so, yeah, it was a good trip. Um, I went to the wedding venue where I'm getting married in a year and a half. So we uh, we put that in stone, you know, we put down the date, put down a deposit. So that's all uh, that's all happening now as well. Um, awesome. I got to meet my fiance's family, extended family, like aunts and uncles, cousins. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a good trip for many reasons. Uh, but the hockey was uh, was definitely memorable. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, get seats on the glass for uh, for two of my games there: the game against the Sabers and the game against the Sharks. Uh, and my seats were right next to where Lindgren was celebrating that last second winner in uh, in regulation. And let me tell you, uh, I criticize the garden a lot because I think it's 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 a snooze fest most most of the time. But when you score a game winner in the final second of regulation, that beats any overtime winner unless it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I'm sure that you just had chills going through your body when that was, I did at I mean, home. So I can only imagine being there. I I've heard the garden loud for that Lindgren winner in the last second of the game. But I have to give the Ranger fans as as a whole credit for what happened in the uh, Flyers game, too. As you remember, we'll get into that in a minute. But we had a five-minute major penalty because of the Dryden Hunt uh, incident. Correct. And uh, we killed off the penalty. And when the moment the five-minute penalty expired, the, the Garden chanted Igor. And it was louder than I've ever heard the Garden. Like, that was... It wasn't even sold out. Yeah, on paper, those games are sold out, but a lot of season ticket holders don't really show up for games. Um, I think it was like 80% full, 80% capacity, but it was loud. The Garden was loud for those two games. It was uh, it was a great experience. Um, and yeah, I came home with some souvenirs too. Um, I got a stick from uh, Alexi Lafreniere during warm-ups. Uh, I, Kako gave me one of his uh, sticks uh, as well, um, and um, some some jerseys that I picked up along the way. Um, luckily, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to uh, to interact with these kids, and and you know, they 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 still remember me from years ago. So that that, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to the U.S. probably in March. Um, I'm planning on going to the Ranger games in Minnesota and St. Louis. Okay, nice. But, but until then, I'll uh, I'm, I'm in Dublin, so we'll. Uh, the regular uh, prospect updates will uh, will be uh, will be continuing from now on. It was a little bit, you know, uh, I was still doing the the daily schedules and recaps, but not at at the uh, seven a.m. hour uh, every morning uh, because you know I, I don't get up at at six to work on a prospect schedule for uh, for almost an hour. 
Um, so yeah, now everything is going back to normal, but, uh, yeah, great trip. That that's awesome. Yeah. No, you and I going back and forth throughout the entire experience. You know, I haven't, I haven't been active on rigorous Twitter each day. Some days I saw that you got a stick and I was like how this happened. So I'm hitting up your DMS right away and all these things. Yeah, no, it, it really looks like Steven, when you entered, you know, New York NYC going to these games as not just for, you know, the Ranger players, but also when you went to the Wolfpack game as well, it felt like it was the uncle coming back home that everyone had to see and have an interaction with. It was very, very cool, you know, to say yeah. I'm jealous is an understatement, but, you know, that's why I'm grateful to have you as a friend. And and a I, have, I have to say, before I forget, um, there were there were guys that approached me during games, um, you know, and and I'm, I'm just a normal guy, you know. I don't work for MSG. I'm not like Steve Velikett or whatever. So when I walk into the garden and a person approaches me and, you know, talks to me and says hi, or they want to take a picture or whatever. That, that's always great to hear. And, uh, you know, uh, some people ask me when the next recording with, uh, with Wardy is going to be, etc. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that I get recognized more in New York City than in Dublin, where I live. Uh, <laughs> that tells you that there's a drastic difference in the Rangers market for obvious yes. reasons, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, no, it was, it was, it was a great time. And, like the interactions I've had with with people that I've never met before, you know, people that recognize me from Twitter because they follow me there, or they recognize me from our uh, from our show on YouTube. Um, it's just it's always fun to interact with people, and you know, just just take 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 like the one minute out of my day to uh, to stop, shake their hands, take a picture, and etc. So, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for uh, for reaching out to me when they saw me, and uh, yeah, it was was a fun experience. I mean, rightfully so, especially with given the fact that you're all the way from Dublin right now. You know, you got to try to take the advantage if you're someone that follows someone like yourself, you know, and that's the same way that I felt. And I'm not trying to get on tangent here. But like I said, we have a lot to get into as to what is the build up to this episode and talking about, you know, interactions. That's something that I've been nothing short of grateful for this past year. I mean, you know, I've been to I went to Pittsburgh. I went to New York. I went to Philly, went to Boston, every single place that I went for uh, Mets games this past year there at least multiple people every single time, you know, dozens even uh, going up to me, um, either wanting a photo, have a conversation, you know, those type of things, you know, it, they're just surreal. Cause you and I both, we're just fans. You know, we do, we do something that we thoroughly enjoy uh, covering our favorite teams respectively. And, you know, it's, it's nothing short of, uh, you know, really, really touching when people go out of their way, do those things, knowing that the support is very much there. And, I know Steven's grateful for it, and so am I. Beyond grateful, it's truly an understatement. So thank you, everyone, for that as well. But to kind of recap on your trip as well, you'll be getting into those games in particular because I think you have better insight than I do, given the fact that you're actually in attendance. But I did want to share quickly on my stance part of the reason why we haven't recorded in so long, and that was also because not just because of Steven's hectic schedule, you know, celebrating his first actual Thanksgiving in the U.S. with his, uh, with his family, um, but also on my end, for those of you that aren't aware with baseball, there's a lockout right now. And this is the first lockout since 1994. Um, there's only been nine, and it's over 160-year history. So this doesn't happen very often. And leading up to this lockout, there was essentially a deadline because of it where you had to do free agent signings and trades because you can't do any of those moves at the MLB level during this lockout. And this very well could drag out even going up until the season next year, which is right around April. So it can go on for a very long time. And I, someone that covers the Mets daily, you know, not just as my job, but of course, as a passion and a hobby, 
had to be doing endless live streams and, you know, Mets signing multiple players. And once it was a historic offseason so far and Mets land, if you're a baseball fan. So that's why I was so busy as well. I mean, Steven, to put things in comparison, think about the Mets signing. I mean, pardon me, not the Mets. Think about the Rangers signing, you know, three top six forwards in one day and also getting themselves, you know, an either a elite goaltender, because I think a goaltender is the best way to compare to a pitcher all in the span of just, you know, 48 to 72 hours. So that's a lot of stuff going on, having to cover during that span. So it was hectic and baseball land. So that was what was happening on my front as well. But I was well, watching these Ranger games as they were transpiring. And, yeah, they, they were nothing short of awesome. Technically, the Rangers, well, in hindsight, the Rangers did that like in 2019, to be honest. When they, uh, you know, they, they basically signed Panera and Shashjorkin and Fox all in the same offseason. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. It's uh, it, imagine being in a spot where you know, I, 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 I love, I live stream usually when news happens like that. So say it's like five or six o'clock, Mets sign a player. Okay, I go out. I have to come back home when I'm like a half hour away because they sign another player. Okay, I go out after that, try to pick up dinner at around midnight. On my drive back home, they sign a third player, and he's the most significant of them all. So it's just a whirlwind of things that happen in a very short period of time. And baseball. And if you guys are baseball fans, then you know very well what transpired leading up to the lockout for your respective clubs. But that's yeah, what's happened the, in the only thing I know about baseball is what I see pop up on my timeline on Twitter. You know, a lot of my yeah. followers, a lot of people that I follow also follow either the Yankees or the Mets. So the names vaguely sound familiar to me, but I'm not really I don't follow baseball, so I'm not not that much into it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you to a game at City Field next year and see what that experience is like for you. Or Yankee uh, Stadium, because I know your fiance is probably a Yankees fan, right? Yeah, but I, I've been to City Field once, but it was for the Winter Classic. So I'd yeah, like you can't City. compare. Because I also like to leave City Field, you know, myself and not needing an ambulance with hypothermia. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> what a story. I and mean, we won't get on that tangent. We've talked about it before, but yeah, I was in attendance yeah. too. Thankfully, Baseball, I did not have the same outcome. Baseball City Field is something I still want to want to do one day. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll definitely get enjoyment, especially as a European who obviously isn't accustomed to following baseball on the norm. You know, even yeah. even going out your way to watch hockey now that you live in Dublin too isn't necessarily the most common thing. So you're definitely going out your way to follow your teams, and I beyond respect that. But let's get into folks before we get into all these games. Like I said, it's an extended episode today, very laid back. We'll be taking questions towards the end of the live stream. If you're watching live. Um, but let's talk about around the league for a second, because a lot's happened in just the past couple of days, including today. And it's been a whirlwind of coaching and front office changes in the NHL, given the amount of teams that have done so poorly to this point. And it started off with the Montreal Canadiens, as we know, parting ways with uh, Mark Bergevin and, you know, everyone involved there, their entire front office and hiring a former New York Ranger front office member, that being in Jeff Gordon, who's now controlling everything of hockey operations for them. So, um, Stephen, what was kind of your initial reaction to see Gordon? You know, neither of us have ill will with Jeff whatsoever. We were upset to see him go originally when everything transpired. Um, I'm wishing him nothing but the best with the Habs now. Um, definitely a little surprising to see them go uh, a little bit of a different route. Yes, they're normally notorious for having people that can, you know, fluently speak French. He's trying to work on it, he said, which I thought was pretty neat. But what, what was your thoughts on that first ordeal and, you know, the dominoes to soon follow with other clubs? Yeah, um, I'm not surprised that Jeff Gordon found a new job within a couple of months. I mean, the guy worked with the Boston Bruins for 12 years, with the New York Rangers for 13 years. And when you look at his resume, he worked his way up. He started as a scout, yep. worked his way up to assistant GM. Uh, he was interim GM in, in Boston. 
then you know assistant gym in new york general manager and then now he's uh uh president of hockey operations i think in montreal yeah he's controlling everything now so he's basically he basically has the role davidson had in uh, in new york for the last two years um it's a logical choice uh gordon is one of the yeah, it's one of the better options out there if you're looking for someone uh, to uh, to lead your organization. Um, I know Ranger fans aren't. There are Ranger fans who are very critical of Jeff Gordon, uh, but I think he did a great job both in Boston and in New York. And uh, I think around the league they see that as well. So good yeah. on him. Um, I don't know if they're going to change their coaches as well, but if they do. Um, I think that'll be after this season. Yeah, if they do, there's a coach available that speaks French who Gordon has yep. worked with before uh, in Ellen Vigneault. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. So let's get AV now, and then we'll cap off with the Canucks here on just some moves that have transpired. So earlier today, Elaine Vigneault was fired as the head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. And it feels like yesterday, Flyers fans were raving about the hire. And I, I found it comical to begin with. And don't get me wrong, AV definitely dominated uh, the Rangers, you know, for a decent span when he first came in with the Flyers against the Rangers during David Quinn's time as head coach. But, you know, outside of their first year, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. And it just, I always, I found it funny because there were endless similarities. And this is coming from someone that is a casual I'm not watching the Flyers on any given day because it's actually blacked out where I reside because I'm closer to Philly than New York. So I only watch highlights and things of that nature. But from all the complaints I've seen, it really felt like he was going down a slippery slope like who, like what he was in his, you know, the latter half of his tenure in New York. And, you know, I said on Twitter earlier today, there's a reason why in my senior year of high school, I did my senior essay on why the Rangers should fire Elaine Vigneault. And I got myself, I think, an A- on that. Um, a couple months later, AV did end up gained fired by the Rangers. So it's kind of funny just seeing how things have transpired. Flyers fans going through a lot of the same emotions that Rangers fans now have. And yes, AV is now available on the open market and it would not be surprising in the slightest if he finds himself landing a job rather soon. Oh, look, the, the NHL coaching carousel is a running joke. Um, yeah. It's a running joke for a reason because NHL teams are more likely to hire a coach that has failed than to hire a coach that hasn't had a shot yet. Correct. And I think I may be wrong, but I think in the next couple of years, we won't be seeing a coach making the jump from college to the NHL. And I think the main reason for that is unfortunately David Quinn, the way he failed in New York, the way players are now coming out about it. Um, I think that's going to put off a lot of uh, presidents, general managers and owners uh, of hiring another college coach because the one before that Dave Haxall wasn't a big success in Philly either. Yep. Uh, you had Jim Montgomery who was a good coach in Dallas, but he had some personal issues. So yeah, I mean, it's the NHL hasn't, hasn't had a good track record in recent years in hiring coaches from, uh, from the college level. So I, I think guys like Ellen Vigneault and even John Tortorella, they're still going to get offers. Um, We'll see how long it takes for Alain Vigneault. When he was fired by the Rangers, he took a year off. But if he if he hadn't, I'm I'm still convinced he would have found a team within within three four months, because that's just yeah. how the NHL works. 
Absolutely. And, you know, talking about another team that AV was notorious for coaching, which really got his resume starting to build up after his tenure in Montreal. That's what the Vancouver Canucks, as the Canucks have parted with, you know, Benning, their GM, also uh, Green, their coach, everyone involved. So they're doing a clean sweep. These are all teams that have been underperforming this year. As we know, the Flyers are seventh in the Metropolitan. They've only won one game in their past 10. Um, if we go to the Habs, they've only won two in their past 10 as they're uh, seventh in the At- Atlantic. And when you also look at the Vancouver Canucks, they are dead last in the Pacific and have won three of their last 10. So all these teams struggling to start this year, kind of crazy um, with some of them, even Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver, I can understand why they have their struggles, but they're still underperforming. When you look at teams also like the Montreal Canadiens, they go from, you know, going all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. And now they find themselves just absolutely abysmal for multiple reasons, including not having, um, you know, one of the best goaltenders in the world and Carey Price definitely doesn't help their cause. But they've had a lot of issues, so it'll be really interesting to see how everything is addressed on those respective fronts. Um, but yes, when you look at guys like AV as well, wouldn't be surprising if he finds himself maybe potentially going to Montreal or Vancouver. Again, I don't have any insight on this, so don't go at me in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube or anything. I'm just saying because I know that Mark Bergevin has already been connected to the Canucks as they have shown some level of interest in potentially hiring him as a GM, which would you, which would be really something special to talk about. Uh, really a good example of the carousel, not just with coaching, but also when it comes to front office as a whole. You know, it's all the same kind of th- deal that's been going on. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, th- those are the latest moves around the NHL, Stephen. So any final comment before we get into the past seven games for the Rangers? Um. Yeah, uh, since the Islanders last won, they have as many points as NHL coaches have been fired. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's a lot of reasons for the, I mean, look, when you have the amount of teams that they had, you know, like out with COVID, dealing with yeah. injuries to players, I should say, there there are reasons to justify for their lack of success, but it still doesn't denounce the fact that, you know, it's bad. It's, and, and, as it's and, and, you know, it's hard to not revel in it. I joke about the Islanders a lot. They've had injuries. They've had COVID. And I think that's the main reason Barry Trotz is not on the hot seat. Um, if if they were performing this way with a healthy team, I think Barry Trotz would have been uh, more uncomfortable. But for now, I think I think Barry Trotz is gonna is gonna stay uh, the coach of the New York Islanders. And you know, it's it's still only early December. Yeah. You know, um, a couple of years ago, the St. Louis Blues were a bottom team in December. Yep. And then they, they went on all the way to win it. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, but I, I, for one, am happy that the Rangers are um, are playing better. And this is a conversation I've had with people. I was critical of them early on, even though they were winning games. Now they're still winning games, but they're playing better. They're playing more sustainable hockey. Um, and I think what they're doing. They have 10 wins in the last 11 games, something like, yeah, something like something that. Yeah, something like that. They've won six straight now. Um, that we'll be getting into more on the exact winning streak, but we'll be getting into the individual games right about now. But to kind of just touch on what you were saying, yeah, I, it's kind of unfortunate. I don't really think there's much of a connection here, but, you know, this has been something that's built up, you know, shortly following Sammy Blaze's season-ending injury, you know, because last time that we spoke a couple weeks ago, that's, you know, one of the p- topics that we had. So, uh by no means do I think that they really go in line with each other, but it's kind of interesting to see the route that the Rangers have gone now over the past couple of weeks, which again, if you're looking at performance wise games, 17 through 23. Now, as many of you guys probably watch all those games, Ray, as we'll be recapping was really impressive. Yeah. They weren't all pretty wins, 
but they got wins when they need to. And now the Rangers yeah. find themselves at, among the MLB, not the MLB, see, I'm in my baseball mind, among the NHL elite right now. My it, my only concern, my only concern before we dive into this is sure. that in the eleven games they've they've played where they've won ten, um, they've only played three high ranking teams. Yes, and that's that's been a concern of mine as yeah. well. I, I've been the aware Florida of that. Panthers, who they beat four three, the Toronto Maple Leafs, where they lost two one in Toronto, and then the Boston Bruins, who we beat on Black Friday five two in Boston. All the other teams, and I'll just list them, Columbus Blue Jackets, New Jersey Devils, Montreal Canadiens, Buffalo Sabres, New York Islanders, Philadelphia Flyers, San Jose Sharks, and Chicago Blackhawks aren't playoff teams. Yep. That's my only concern. It's nice to have this hot streak. It's nice to rack up the wins early, but there is a little bit of a concern. And in, in the coming weeks, it's yeah, you have Chicago, which is still easy, and then you have Colorado, which is a tough opponent. And then Buffalo, Nashville, Colorado, Arizona. But then at the end of December, that's when it really gets tough. When you play the Vegas Golden Knights, the Florida Panthers, the Lightning twice, the Oilers, then the Golden Knights again. The Rangers' that, schedule is really not in favor of them the second mm-hmm. half this year at all. They haven't even played Carolina yet. Like <laughs> you know, they got a lot of they got a lot of teams to face still. Uh, the stretch around Christmas and New Year's is going to be telling us a whole lot more about how good this Rangers team is. Absolutely, and it's good. And in the hindsight, at least, it's going to be perfect time leading into the trade deadline. If the Rangers do feel that they want to address in a certain area, um, but let's let's just dive in. Like I said, into these games, I know that some of these are a little far behind. I know many of you guys even forgot about them now, but we got we got to re- recap on them because we haven't talked about them since our last episode. And to really, my final stance on what you proposed about being concerned, I shouldn't say I'm concerned because the Rangers have been playing good hockey. Um, I think it's just a matter of they've been playing good hockey, but they haven't been fully tested yet. Let's see how they're going to look when they're actually tested among the teams that are going to be a big problem for the Rangers. Are they going to succeed? Are they going to fail? Are they going to kind of be up and down? You know that we're going to find out that rather shortly, but it's good knowing that the Rangers are continuously beating teams that they're supposed to beat and doing it rather impressively in a lot of the different scenarios here. But let's get into the first game. As we know, this is the only loss that we actually have over the past seven games, um, so we won't really get into too much with it. That was, of course, against the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Rangers lost 2-1 in this game. This one was not a pretty game for the Rangers at all. Um, there really isn't too much to get into it. This was, you know, or I felt a lot of similarities between the last time the Rangers and the Leafs played. You know, the Leafs uh, dominated in a lot of ways offensively on this one. Um, even though the Rangers were a little bit more balanced, but they struggled so terribly in the faceoff dot that this was actually one where it was justified as to why the Rangers weren't going to win. Like they had little to no puck position in a lot of different routes. Yes, they got some good opportunities. They were only outshot 30 to 28. But I mean, when you lose 80% of faceoffs in a game, naturally that's going to have some level of impact on your play and the actual puck possession you have. Uh, you know, giveaways were Rangers eight to the Leafs 19, but the Leafs had a lot of offense going um Igor Shosturkin had a great game uh, Morgan Riley though got two goals in this one um you know we got his second and then his third of the year first was in the first period um and then the second was halfway through the second period the Rangers did get a goal from Dryden Hunt which I'm trying to think no that was the Boston game I'm thinking of that we'll get into where he actually broke the camera but Dryden Hunt got the lone goal for the Rangers this was his first of the season um assisted by Stroman Kako but yeah that's really all she wrote it wasn't a terrible game when it came to Rangers effort here, 
but it was one of those where just offensively they could not get enough going. Um, their goaltender was doing a really strong job for the Leafs end. And yeah, faceoffs just absolutely murdered the, uh, the Rangers in this one. It wasn't even remotely yeah. close. Yeah, uh, the Rangers only only showed up for 20 minutes in that game. Um, the first 40 minutes, they were they were nowhere to be found. The third period, they played really well. It just wasn't enough to overcome the two-goal deficit. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, it was 17.6% um, on face-offs or 18% on face-offs. They were 20%. No, no, it was low. It was lower than that. I oh, they, then they rounded it on the NHL's website. Um, I looked it up. In the salary cap era, it was the second lowest league-wide face-off percentage by a team in a single game. The Rangers are second to last in the league in face-offs, by the way. Yeah, that <laughs> so that's still something that they very much need to address. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but the Rangers have not finished a full season with a face-off percentage over 50 since 2008-2009. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's been an issue for many, many years. Um, unfortunately, we lost in Toronto. Not a shame, though. Toronto is one of the best teams in the league. Yep. I'm not going to lose sleep over that. They were uh, the way they lost, yes, but the fact that you lose a one goal game in Toronto, that's that's not terrible. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, definitely, they they had the effort in this one, just fell short. And again, I rather they be in a in a one goal game where they lose, um, even though the faceoffs were horrid, versus it being a blowout or anything of that nature. So they they hunt they hunt around the entire game. Unfortunately, yeah. just can't pot one more. But that was the only negative uh, for basically, you know, two weeks. So let's get into the positives. And that starts with the first of three games that you were physically in attendance with, uh, that being the Hockey Fights Cancer Night on November 21st. So take me through yeah. everything that transpired there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the game started off okay for the Rangers. Um, they conceded the first goal by Rasmus uh, Asplund. Um Kreider tied it up on the power play as he does. You know, Kreider has been a beast. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, how his scoring is historical. Um, the Rangers were trailing three times in this game. They were trailing 1-0, 2-1, and 4-3. Um, they, they, the second period had, I think, six goals. Yeah, um, there were. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was it actually was, insane how, how many it goals. It was crazy. Kako uh, scored a goal. My fiance wanted to record the stadium announcer announcing the goal. Instead, she got two Buffalo Sabres goals on video. Mm -hmm. That's how fast it was. 12.07, Kako scored 12.57. 50 seconds later, Paige Thompson scored, tied it up. <laughs> and then 15 seconds after that, Rasmus Dalin scored to give them the lead. So, in a 15 second span, you give uh, you give up a three two lead and you're down four three, and that was very deflating. Um, and then the crazy thing is, Keandre Miller, like 20 seconds later, ties it up again. There were like four, I think there were four goals in a minute and a half. Yeah, let's see. the uh, The final goal was at the 13:29 mark, and the uh, first one by Kaka was what? at 12:07. So yeah, oh, it was literally just about you know. Yeah, and my uh, my brother-in-law's wife was was texting us when we were at the game, uh, and she she was she was watching the game on TV, and she's like, "Am I watching a highlight reel or is this the actual game?" Because four goals in two minutes that 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 that's almost highlight reel stuff. Exactly, it's one it's when I'm watching the recaps again on HL. Exactly. Yeah, eight or nine minute videos on YouTube the next morning. Yep. Um, and then 
one of my favorite moments ever at the Garden. Like, just to clarify, I've never been to a playoff game at the Garden. So this was probably one of the more memorable moments for me being in attendance. Ryan Lindgren scoring with 0.4 seconds left. Um, the last time I remember the Rangers cutting it that close in regulation was Brad Richards in uh, Phoenix um, nine years ago or 10 years ago. But being there in the building when it happened was absolutely amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll take it to the grave. Scoring a game winner in the final second of regulation will always be better than an overtime winner unless it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final. You know, you know what that goal reminds me of a little bit? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Michael Grabner score a game winner with seconds left against Columbus? I think it was in Columbus. I yeah, but I think that was that was still with a couple of seconds left, not not like the final second of the game. Okay, but it it was still still though, not final second, no, but that was like the closest next thing yeah, that, that's popping in my head. It's very deflating when you when you concede a goal in the final seconds, but to concede it with 0.4 seconds, the worst thing is Sabres were already already wanted to go to the locker room. Yeah, but they they still had to take the face off. And then they and, held it on the boards, and then we saw Foxy do the awesome play to get it through, and then bam. No, no, it was 0.4 seconds. It was just a face-off. The, the, puck, the puck dropped, and it was over. No, no, no. I'm saying the goal. What led up to the Lindgren. Oh, the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the goal, yeah. I mean, out of all out of all people, Ryan Lindgren, I think that was only his second goal this season. Um, but the play by Adam Fox, if this guy doesn't win another Norris this year, then, then this shit is <laughs> Damn great. shame. Exactly. You know, I know everyone's talking about Kale McCarr, but Adam Fox is on another level. And the player that he reminds me of, the way he plays and the dominance he shows on the ice, Nicholas Lidstrom. Yep. That's that's who he reminds me of when I see him on the ice. But the stuff he does, you know, it's one thing to have the awareness and to see and to process the game at such a high speed but to then also have the talent and the technique to pull off the moves that, that, that doesn't happen often. Uh, and from a defenseman, even crazy game, five, four win. Um, that game had everything you'd, you'd want, you know, everything you'd look for when you attend the game. Um, yeah, probably one of the, one of the best experiences I've ha- I've had at an NHL game. Oh yeah, no. Uh, that was it. when when that happened. I thought of you right away. You were sitting at the glass for that one, so yeah. I saw you on TV multiple times. I didn't feel like like reaching out to you because I'm like you're busy about the game. But I, I saw you. I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize till over halfway through the game that you were staying that close. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why it didn't it didn't uh, hit my head, but I was like, oh my god, Stephen, you went to the perfect game. Um, and that that was only one of three really good games that you got a chance to witness. So. You know, yeah. Rangers, again, they outshot the Sabres in that one, 36-22. They dominated. They lost in the faceoff, not per usual, but they executed on the power play from Chris Kreider. I'm sure we'll get on another tangent about Kreider once we're wrapping up all these games because, oh, my goodness, Chris Kreider. Um, you know, blocks 15-10 to 10 in favor of the Sabres. Hits, Rangers just dominated 34-16, and giveaways were just about even at 8-7 and seven apiece. So, yeah, what, what's your closing thoughts on this uh, big win for the Rangers against Buffalo? Um, I mean – it, it was it was a sloppy game, but they got the win. Um, and against a team that they should have beaten, I wish it wasn't it wasn't as close as it was. But as a fan, I, I wanted it to be like a. By the way, before I for, before I forget to say this, 
if Sheshjorkin's in net, <coughs> I think this game ends 4-2. I agree. Yeah, um, no, Igor made some magnificent saves. Georgiev was in net for the first two periods, and then they pulled him at the start of the third when the game was tied 4-4. And I thought that was a great – it was really refreshing to see Gallant know that, you know, even this early in the season, this is a must-win game. Like, yeah. there's no, nothing to justify this kind of performance against – It was a great move. It was a great move, and it was it was – the other thing that unfortunately cannot be fixed during the game because there are no spare defensemen on the bench, but Jared Tenorti does not belong on an NHL team. No, no. We, Jared we've Tenorti, never done that array. Patrick Nemeth is struggling enough as it is, but when you pair him with Jared Tenorti, they both look like Stu Bickle. It's, they both look like Stu Bickle? They both they both defend like Stu Bickle when they're when they're when they're paired together. Yeah, they're, they're like dumb and dumber on defense. The forward or the defense or the defenseman. They, <laughs> they, they 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 drag each other down. And Nemeth isn't. I, I'm not a big Nemeth fan as it is, but when he plays with Tenorti, it's it's even worse. Yeah, no, it's it's two negatives. I'm Nils Lundqvist should have played that game because Nils when Nils Lundqvist plays, Patrick Nemeth is a better better player on the ice. You had no idea how pissed off I was that he wasn't playing. Because I, I was concerned if you weren't going to see a game again, especially. Thankfully, you did. But I was I was more bothered by you not getting to see him more than anything imagine, else. Like, imagine, imagine me flying all the way to New York, only going to one game, and then Niels Lundqvist being a healthy scratch in favor of Jared. I know. Like, I, when I saw it, I was like, you've got to be shit. I'm like, this is Steven's luck. I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. Thankfully, that wasn't the case, so you got to go no. to a couple more games. But, no. yeah. yeah, again, uh, to wrap things up on that one, uh, not a pretty game by any stretch for the Rangers, but good move by Gallant in the third. And for the people that were wondering, you know, why Zbanjad and Gallant, you know, were yapping at each other at the bench. I know that this happened over a week ago now, but he did come out and say that it was because of Mika being bothered by, I think, a call or a missed call, one of the two by the ref. And then Gallant was just being adamant about saying, drop it. Like, there's like, there's no point to drag it on. Like, we got the win. Let's let's go on and, you know. Uh, yeah, this was, I think one. this was after the Lindgren goal with 0.4 seconds to go. Yes. Yeah, he went right to the bench, and uh, him and Gallant yeah. weren't looking too positive with and, each other. And everyone was like, is, what happened? Yeah, and this this was this was a good call by Gallant because complaining to the ref is not going to make a difference. But if the refs give you a, give you a penalty for, for whatever reason, that face-off, that next face-off is in your zone. Mm-hmm. That's a great point, too. And 0.4 seconds is not much, but – Goals have been scored straight from the faceoff circle in like 0.2 seconds. So, uh, yeah, Gallant saying knock it off, great, great call. The moment the puck drops at center ice, it's not, it's not going to get to the goal in half a second. Yep. Take the win. Um, and then against the Islanders, Kreider, uh, to, for me at least, you know, etched his name in, in Rangers history as the third fastest ranger all time to 15 goals. Yeah, let, let, let's get let's get into this game because I don't know about you, but as I was watching it, it, I was bothered by that first period a little bit. I felt like throughout a good portion of the game, the Rangers were playing, you know, to their competition. It's something you know, that they struggled you know, with in the past. I don't think I don't think we appreciate enough the fact that the Rangers were the team scoring for a change in the first 30 seconds. No, I know. We'll get into that shortly. But let's talk about the build-up here, right? Let's talk about the foreplay before we get to the fun stuff. Um, but, you know, this this game, only 21 shots apiece. Not a lot of offensive creation going on. The Rangers got dominating the faceoff dot again, 58 to 20, uh, 42%. 
Rangers did get a one power play goal. And again, thank you so much, Chris Kreider, 14th of the year, 30 seconds in, assisted by Stromer and Fox. That was awesome. And that really just opened the floodgates for the Rangers in this one. They didn't look back um, offensively. Kevin Rooney then went on to score uh, later in the second period, assisted by Grudero and Reeves. Then on to the third period. And uh, Andy Andrioff, if you guys don't know Andy, he actually, I'm pretty sure he was the captain for a good period of time for the Phantoms, which is the affiliate for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I've seen Andy play plenty because uh, I don't reside far from the Phantoms arena. Um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because I know he, that he's been playing for them given all the COVID and injuries that they've been dealing with was with the Flyers as well. I think he was even with the Kings last year too, if my memory's not mistaken. Um, he scores, uh, you know, just around four minutes in and then Kevin Rooney gets his second of the game. It's just Ryan Reeves. My goodness. We'll talk about reverse roles oh, in this oh, one. Oh, I know. We, yeah, I know. Ryan we'll Reeves channeling his inner Panarin. I know. My good Ryan Reeves, first of all, had a nice assist on the first goal for Rooney, his secondary assist. Then we got ourselves uh, Rooney's second goal. It was almost kind of, I think it was right around a two-on-one. He did a nice drag, and then I believe he dragged it and did a backhand pass right across the crease and got Rooney. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was beautiful. And then for Zabanjad to then go on and score his uh, second and the fourth and final goal for the Rangers in this one, his 15th of the year, assisted by Zabanjad and Kako. And then we got a little scrum by, yes, Alexi Lafreniere and uh, J.G. Pajot. Uh, the two French Canadians going at. So Reeves said in his post game, talking about reverse roles, he felt like he was, it was like the multiverse, like with Spider-Man, like all these different things are going on. I'm the one doing the dangles and the nice passes and Alexi's going in and having, you know, a fight, even though it wasn't much of a fight, it was funny because no, no. That-, that was after Adam Fox got a roughing call for, uh, for defending, I think Lindgren. Yes. Yeah. Because there, J, JG did, what was it? It was, was it a slew foot or was it a hit? It was, I think, I think it was a high hit to the face. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, no, yeah. just 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 a crazy game. Awesome win for the Rangers. Again, wasn't the prettiest in the beginning, but once it got on a rhythm, thank you, Chris Kreider, my captain. Yeah. Um, you know, Rangers got out hit 31 to 23, blocks 16 to 9 in their favor, and giveaways right around the same at eight and nine apiece. But yeah, what's your closing thoughts on this one? This was a huge game. Yeah. Even though it was against the depleted Islanders. They absolutely need to go in there and win. And, you know, they continue to add on wins before the Islanders even have yet to get a win in their new arena. Rangers still have more wins this arena than the Islanders. Yeah. And, and until last night, they had the same amount of goals as the U.S. arena. Um, but their 4-1 win was a big statement for the Rangers. They've struggled against the Islanders the last couple of years, especially on the road. Um, mm-hmm. So to come away with a 4-1 win is great. And that second Chris Kreider goal in the third period it was his 15th of the season. Uh, giving him 15 goals in his first 19 games to start the season. And I looked it up. It's the third fastest in Rangers history. Only Bill Cook in 1931 and Don Murdoch in 1976 got 15 goals quicker than Chris Kreider. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's just been off to a tremendous pace. Not even Yarmie Yager had more goals in in his – not even Yarmie Yager was faster to 15 goals in that – Amazing season where he had 54. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind yes, of a big deal. it is. And I think Chris Kreider is on 16 now, I think. Pardon? I think Chris Kreider at the moment has 16 goals already. Yeah, because he has 19 points. And it's December 6th. He's going to hit 30, right? You'd have to. You'd have to. As long as he doesn't go on like an entire month span of only getting like two no goals. Injury. Like, like as long as there's no season ending injury, you should yeah. get there. Knock on wood doing that right now. But let's jump into yeah. the next game. Yeah. This, 
This was probably, I got to say, out of all the games that transpired, I think this one is not is either close to, if not my favorite. for The most surprising win, in my opinion. Yes. A, a, a big statement win in this one. And, and uh, lead the way, Stephen. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the Rangers are historically not that great on Black Friday. Um, the last time I think they beat the Boston Bruins on Black Friday was back in the 70s. So... I wasn't really I didn't have a lot of faith in in this team. They're historically bad on faceoffs. You go up against the Boston Bruins with Patrice Bergeron. I'm shocked Patrice Bergeron didn't finish with 100% on faceoffs. Oh my goodness. He's just that's that's literally why I've always admired him. Not it's, just not just for, you know, his great two-way game, but the man's yeah. a lock every single time he's at the dot. You have no chance. Exactly. Um let me let me quickly look it up if you don't mind. Um I cannot find it here. Anyway, um, so the Rangers, they, they trail early uh, because of a cracksmith goal. And then with six seconds to go in the period, you know, the Rangers like to score late in the period. Uh, six seconds to go, Ryan Strom ties it up. And honestly, I didn't think the Rangers had anything to complain about in the first period going into the locker room tight 1-1. Um, the Bruins were the better team. So going into the locker room tied up was great. Second period starts, Bergeron makes it 2-1, uh, huge defensive lap on the Rangers. I uh, don't want to go into the, into it too much, but when you have a guy like Bergeron on the ice, he's going to take advantage of it. Uh, and then Dryden Hunt uh, ties it up uh, with his second goal of the season where he breaks the camera or breaks the, the little cover in the front of the camera. The for the camera. It was an awesome, yeah, yeah, awesome yeah, scene. Yeah. That, was, that was a pretty cool scene. Um, assisted by Lindgren and Fox. Uh, that was Hunt's second point already because he assisted on the Ryan Strong goal together with a Tammy Panarin. And then the third period, Panarin scores, assisted by Gauthier and Strom, before Lafreniere uh, makes it makes it 4-2, assisted by Gauthier again, and Adam Fox getting his second point of the game. And then an empty net goal by Jacob Truba with an assist for Patrick Nemeth, uh, making it the first game where the Rangers have five different goal scorers in Boston since 2001 wow so that was that now you know scoring five goals is great but having five different goal scorers makes it even better um i think overall the rangers really really pulled this win out of the fire in the third period and once that panarin goal happened i had a good feeling about us winning because there was only like nine minutes left um i didn't see the bruins scoring two more goals against us uh, there was, of course, an incident near the end of the game where Panera threw his glove at Brad Marchand. For, okay, uh, all right, all right. I need to go on a rant, Stephen. I need to go on a rant. You go first. You go okay. first. All right. How? First of all, hilarious. Everything about this was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. like, 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 let's talk. And, of course, then you have um, you Boston Bruins writers going out of their way to say, oh, this is basically malicious. It needs to be fine. Artemi actually ends up getting the max 5K fine for throwing a part of my French fucking glove at Brad Marchand, probably one of, if not the most dirty player in the league. I shouldn't say the most dirty. He's definitely up there, though. We all know who Brad is. Uh, shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, did not, you, did you hear what Brendan Dubinsky said afterwards? Yes, yes. So you can you can touch on that. But for him to get fined, it just shows you the further incompetence to the point where it isn't even worth arguments. Like, we've, we've, ex- we've exacerbated all of our emotions and then some on the Tom Wilson incident and just the amount of hypocrisy that goes on in the NHL when it comes to, okay, 
who is deserving of, uh, you know, this fine or suspension. This, it never goes in line with what exactly should be happening. So for Panarin to get a 5K fine, Wilson, like it just, it really, it really boggles my mind how they will compare something like that to the most malicious things that have happened in recent NHL history. And, you know, no suspensions given. It just, I you know, I'm, that's really all I have to say. I was a lot more heated in the moment. Um, you know, on that Black Friday post Thanksgiving. Right now, I'm I'm okay. Just 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 ridiculous. Just simply ridiculous. I expect nothing less from this league. Pure incompetence when it comes to actually trying to hold players accountable for things they either do right or wrong. And it goes directly in hand with who they're facing. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm looking it up now. Uh, if people have their their phones or their laptops open. Um, hold on, let me, let me try, let me get this. While, while you're doing that, I'm going to go over just the statistics as a whole from this game. So yeah. Rangers outshot, uh, were outshot by Boston 36, 31. They lost in the faceoff dot 43% of 57. Bergeron was 64% at the dot as well. I'm sure that's what you're looking for. So Bergeron was far above average. Neither team scored on the power play. Um, it hits favored the Rangers 23, 21 blocks, heavy favor the Rangers laying the body out 17 to four. And giveaways, Rangers have more giveaways, 10 to 5. Uh, Ryan Strom, you know, with the uh, goal by Panarin and Hunt. Then Hunt by Lindgren and Fox. And he went on Panarin, Gauthier, Strom with the apples. Alexi with his fifth of the year, which was a very nice goal by Lafreniere, too. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, got himself his fifth of the year by Gauthier and Fox. And then Truba with the final one, which was an empty netter, which was awesome. Um, and that was assisted by Nemeth. Yeah, just just crazy, just craziness that happened. So, if people have their laptops or phones open, Google NHL Wheel of Justice. What's that? NHL Wheel of Justice. Okay. It's 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 nonsense, but it's funny. And you'll probably get a better punishment. You get a better feel for an actual punishment out of this app than you get out of the Department of Player Safety. Oh, because yeah. This is the same Department of Player Safety that didn't even find Sidney Crosby for throwing Martin Ferravari headfirst into the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. NHL officiating is... I think NHL officiating is weak. I don't want to say it's terrible. It's weak. It's inconsistent. But it, it happens in, in real time. You know, you're on the ice. There's a lot of things happening. You make a judgment call based on what you see with your own eyes. I can I can sort of understand missing a call here or there. But the Department oh, yeah, of Public Safety has hours and hours and hours to go over footage and they still get it wrong. That's just terrible. Um, but hey, that's what you get when you put a goon in charge of player safety. I know. Shout out to Peros. Uh, I mean yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to say too much about it, but it's it's a, it's a terrible decision to put a goon in charge of player safety. Let's let's leave it at that. Yeah. Before and, I make before I make comparisons, I'm going to regret later on. Yeah, no, that that's completely fair. But <laughs> anyway, so after the, after the Boston Rangers. game, after the Boston game, we were supposed to play the Islanders yes. on Sunday, and then they were finally able to get out of that game. They tried for the last time they played the Rangers, but the Angels said no. And then they had a further outbreak and more people just were not able to play to the point yeah. where they, it was justified for them not to not actually match up against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next game was against the Flyers. Uh, got to see Nils Lundqvist finally in person. And uh, guess what? He assists on the first goal of the game. 
You were Jacob jumping for joy, I'm sure. Jacob Truba on the power play, assisted by Capo Caco and Niels Lundqvist. Oh my goodness! It's your whole, it's all your worlds colliding at once. Can't get any better than that. <laughs> oh my god! What a what a what a goal! And I was just happy that our second power play unit was getting a goal. That yeah, that's another good point. And I was looking at people around me. And I said, "See, this is what happens when you give your second unit more than ten seconds." Yep, because that has been my gripe all along last season. Every time the second unit came on, it was ten seconds left on the power play. But and now, speaking of gripes, you know, once continue what you're saying. Yeah. Um, just remind me that I need to talk about the power play for a minute yeah. once we wrap these up. Now under Galland, um. You, once there's a minute left, if the puck goes back into our zone, they switch it up. And I love it. You give your second power play unit a chance. And the second power play unit has Truba, Lundqvist, Kako, I think Hedl, and Lafreniere. Yeah. Now you're getting me confused. I think Lafreniere, Lafreniere, Hedl, Kako, and then Lundqvist, Truba on the back end. That's the second unit. Okay. Um, and yeah, Kako quietly getting eight points in, in a seven game span. That's good stretch for him. Yep. Uh, Dryden Hunt that. getting his third goal of the season a little later in a period assisted by Panarin and Fox. Then we have that ridiculous five minute penalty. Uh, the major power play where Dryden Hunt gets a game misconduct and a charging penalty. Um, and somehow the Rangers hold on. And they they don't concede a goal in the five minutes, and that's when the Igor chance happened, and it was it was glorious. It was a glorious awesome. chance. And after the game, Igor said, "At that moment, I have to I have to remind myself not to cry." Mm-hmm. Imagine what that does to a goalie's confidence. Oh my when goodness! His, the goalie he looked up to ever since he was a kid had his own chant at the Garden. Like Henrik Lundqvist was his his idol when he when he was a kid. I right? know, I know. People tend to forget that. Yeah, it's it's, now, it's really amazing how everything's he, come full circle with him. The reason he played with number thirty in Russia is because of Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. And now he has his own chant at the same arena from the same fans, and that that has to be a great feeling for him. Uh, second period, 34 seconds in. Again, early goal in the period. Chris Kreider does it again. That son of a bitch. He did it again. <laughs> season, assisted by Kako and Zabanajet. Kako with a two-point game. And one of the nicer goals of the season. Um, great great goal uh, by Kreider. Great goal by that line. And I think the, the, the top line with Kako is finally gelling a bit. Yes. At first, I, at first, I wasn't happy with the line changes that they were when uh, when Blade went went out with the injury, but Kako is is gelling now with Zibanejad and Kreider. Uh, Morgan Frost makes it three one, and then the third period was uh, was sloppy. The Rangers were under pressure a lot, but they didn't concede a goal. And um, eventually, Artemi Panarin adds the empty netter for a four one win against the Flyers. Um, Overall, really solid game by the Rangers. And I kept saying, I kept saying to my fiance, uh, you know, there's no, like in the first period, I'm like, there's no way we're losing this game. There's no way. She's like, shut up. What? There's no, there's no way. And she's like, don't say that. And, and then I made it worse by saying, there's no such thing as a jinx. That's <laughs> so sacrilegious. It's oh, I know. I know. And then, yeah. and then I remember Kreider scoring the goal, and I go, "Ooh, three goal lead, most dangerous lead in hockey." <laughs> Just shut up. 
And then she, she slow, she gradually takes her rain off. <laughs> and, then, and then Frost scored the goal for the Flyers. And she looks at me, she's like, see? It's 3 1. Nothing's going to happen. But then we're under pressure for the whole freaking third period. So <laughs> unbelievable. Um, this, yeah, this was just another window for the Rangers that thankfully you got to witness in person. Yeah. I mean, I, I and, want I want to know your thoughts on Dryden Hunt for a quick second because I know yeah. that you were pretty critical of him, but rightfully so in the beginning. No, I mean, I wasn't critical of Dryden Hunt. I was critical of the of his usage to put him in the top six. I mean, correct. This is a kid that not too long ago played in the ECHL. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's what happens when you trade away Butch Nevich and then you chase away Vitaly Kravtsov and then Sammy Blay is injured. Then your options are Barkley, Goudreau, or Dryden Hunt. If that if yeah. those are your options, then yeah, I'm fine. Go with Dryden Hunt. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been good. He's been you know what? Dryden Hunt's a better hockey player than Colin Blackwell. You think, think you think you think Hunt's a better player than Blackwell? Yes. Um, on the yeah. ice. Dryden Hunt is an analytics darling. You know, he he does things on the ice that translate really well. Blackwell had a huge hot streak playing with Panarin and Strom. Uh, scored some very opportunistic goals. Whereas Dryden Hunt's play, uh, and I, I, I keep using the word, it's more sustainable. The way Dryden Hunt plays, I could see him play like this for three, four, five years. Whereas Colin Blackwell was just riding a hot streak um, that I don't think he'll be able to reproduce. Yeah, I have to look up how Blackwell's doing this season. I have genuinely no idea. Well, he started injured, so he, okay. I don't know if he's back yet, but um, okay. yeah, he didn't play for the first couple of weeks. Um, I think Dryden Hunt overall is just a better player for the Rangers. Uh, unfortunate that he got that game misconduct. I'm happy it didn't result in a suspension. Yeah. Because with Greg McKeck on COVID <laughs> protocol, uh, yeah, it would, it would have been an issue. They they recalled Morgan Barron uh, after that happened, but he didn't play because Dryden Hunt wasn't suspended. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm happy with Dryden Hunt. The guy that I'm really excited about that and and that we don't talk enough about is Kevin Rooney still. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Kevin Rooney just keeps doing the right things. I keep bringing up all. I keep bringing him up all the time. I just feel that other people aren't talking enough about him. The way he plays. That fourth line with with Strom and now Goudreau, um, I think is uh, is just is just a great fourth line. It's probably the best fourth line we've had since 2014 when we had um, Brian Boyle, Dominic Moore, and Derek Dorsett. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. The Rangers um, haven't had, and that that's why I've always been such a heavy advocate of having the most balanced lines possible because yeah. I was so impressed of AV's and, first year with the Rangers and utilizing them. And, yeah, and let's get into Ryan Reeves for a second. Um, I, I I don't want to talk about the fact that the Rangers never addressed the physical side of the game because that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. The Rangers address that the physical side of the game every year. Yep. They just never got a player that consistently contributed offensively as well. That actually knows what to do instead of looking like a pylon on the ice. They, every year they addressed it. You know, yep. they, they got yep, Michael Bailey, they got Brendan Lemieux, they got Cody McLeod. But those players, aside from the physical aspect of the game, they didn't add anything else. Nothing. Ryan else Reeves. Sense. Ryan Reeves will not score. Will not score twenty goals a season. But when you see him out there on the ice, he's making things happen, mm-hmm. and he's also a very good locker room influence. He's a, he's oh, a good in the locker room. He's Igor's hype man. 
I think Ryan Reeves is – if we would acquire Ryan Reeves three years ago like Gordon wanted, I don't think we're having this conversation about being soft and the Tom Wilson incident probably, probably doesn't happen. I think – I agree with – oh, 100%. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree but with you. sometimes the players you need aren't available. You cannot force a general manager to trade the player you want. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Um. To recap this game, though, I just want to break down the further statistics for everybody. Yeah. Um, the Rangers got outshot 28 to 34. Faceoffs were really close, but Flyers still won 51%. Rangers did get uh, the lone power play goal on this one. Uh, you know, they had 90 penalty minutes because of Hunt. 21 hits to the Flyers 11, 10 blocks to 15 in Rangers' favor. And Rangers had 19 giveaways to the Flyers 13. Well, uh, the last time that the Flyers and Rangers meet up with Elaine Mignot, on the other side, um, you know, with Philly, at least we'll see how long it takes him to get back in the coaching realm in the NHL. Like like we said earlier in the episode, probably won't take that long. But no less, big, big win for the Rangers, absolutely. Um, just continue, continuing to beat competition that they should be beating. Um, it's definitely refreshing to see the Rangers handling the flyers that they have of recent versus, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, I want to say it was not the short in season, but the year prior. Uh, the Rangers lost every single game against the Flyers in uh, 2019-20, I want to say. So this is definitely definitely a good feeling. I'm enjoying that a lot. But, Stephen, we got another game, and this game you were at too, so you got to take it away on this one. Yeah, um, my final game before flying back, home against the Sharks. Um, saw the Sharks the night before at the UBS Arena. I thought the Sharks were really good in that game. Um, so I had some, to quote, Alain Vigneault had some good looks um, at that team at UBS. Um, and I think Aiden Hill deserves a lot of cre- a lot of credit here. Um, he kept his team in the game. This game should have been 4-4-4-0-5-0. So it's something like that. Um, Aiden Hill kept his team in the game with some amazing saves. Uh, in the end, they win it with a single goal by Ryan Strom on the power play, assisted by Adam Fox and Mika Zibanejad. Adam Fox again. I mean, the, the guy, so the guy <laughs> is great on defense, but offensively he's chipping in too. He has 25 points in 23 games. I know. And and I want to touch on this. I'm going to touch on now in regards to just power play. Like we'll get into more on Ryan Stroman and how he's done after, mm-hmm. you know, we go over these games because I want to really emphasize his stretch that he's been on, which is a good one. But, you know, I, I got to tip the cap, give credit where credit's due. The Rangers have been doing better on the power play in certain manners. And, Ryan Strom has been a part of it. Yes, he's the guy that will still miss an occasional open net on the right side, but not this time. And, you know, he's been definitely getting the score calling more often than lately. Um, not this goal, not in this game, but the game prior that we just discussed um, when you have that clap from the right side, thanks to Adam Fox. Or was it the Sharks game here? Or am I getting them confused? Was, no, it was, it was the Sharks game. Okay, the Sharks game is when Fox fed it to him and they just went for a nice slapper, right? Yeah. Okay, the game prior is where he had open net, I think, then on the power play. No, I think he had an open net against the Bruins where he missed it. No, he had an open net where he made it, though, too. No, that was Dryden Hunt. Are you thinking of Dryden Hunt? No, I don't think I am. Uh, I don't know. Don't worry about me. Worry about you. Continue no. Continue with the game. Never mind. Uh, Ryan Strom, uh, you know, with, with his fourth goal of the season, uh, now has 16 points in 19 games. I know Ryan Strom is not the most popular player among this fan base, but I don't see a reason why I don't see how the Rangers let him go. I don't see how the Rangers go into next season without him. Honestly, 
Um, I agree with you. Yeah, we, we talked about that more in depth last episode, but yeah, no, they will, the they will make moves. They will make the moves necessary to keep him. Because I, I agree. right now, um, I, let, let me let me look it up to make sure it's, it's accurate. But I'm, I'm just going to look up the, 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 the points Ryan Strom has since since 2019 compared to other centers. I, think I wonder. I wonder what center exactly you're going to compare him to. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to compare him to Mark Medvarsal because it's okay. no longer it's no longer relevant. Okay. Um, so let's see. 2019. Uh, While you're doing that, I, yeah, I'm, you, you, I'm, you, I'm going to just recap ahead. the game. Um, so a couple of things. Obviously, the Rangers is tight. Um, Sharks outshot the Rangers by 128 to 27. Faceoff Shark dominated at 58 percent to the Rangers 42. Rangers had the one power play goal by Strom, as we mentioned. Hits, Rangers dominate 22 to 14. Blocks, Sharks 17 to 9. And giveaways, Rangers had more, unfortunately, 11 to 8. But the bigger emphasis on this game wasn't the lack of scoring, but rather the great goaltending leading up into a rather significant injury, at least on the forefront. As we know, Igor Shosturkin moved, and yeah, he he struggled to put weight on that leg. We're going to want to know what your take was, you know, your emotions at that point in time, being there live as it happened. But Igor, you know, we got hurries on the IR now. Um, it looks like, however, thankfully, Gallant said in postgame presser that uh, sigh relief that's not nearly as bad as it looks. He's on the IR, as we know, so he'll be out this week. But he should be good to go hopefully after that. So, Igor, the biggest battle with him so far in his Rangers tenure has not been performance. It's been just staying healthy for different reasons. A lot of unfortunate reasons, too, might add, between the car accident, between having the hamstring issue and the bubble. Multiple things have gone on with Igor, so hoping the best for him with speedy recovery. But thankfully, it doesn't look like it's nearly as bad as what it originally was. And Georgiev came in and had a really solid time in relief for Shosturkin for the uh, final eight saves that he made. And then he went on to have a good game in Chicago that we'll get into here in a minute. But yeah, what was your initial reaction to Igor going down the way he did? Um, yeah, I mean, first thing I thought it was knee injury because he couldn't put any weight on his leg. Um but the fact that he's on IR and that the first signs look good, I'm happy with that. This team is not going anywhere without him. Uh, but I'm starting to get a little worried about his uh, his health and his inability to stay healthy throughout the season. This is the third season in a row where he's missing games due to injury. Yeah. Um, I know the first season it was because of a car accident. I don't really... You can't bring really that on him. Blame him for that. But Unless, he, unless he's somehow... I mean, I don't even think they were at fault on that car accident from the report I no, saw. I don't, I don't, but I, I don't think he was driving. So it's no, Butchnevich was, I'm pretty sure. Um, last season was the groin injury, and now this. Um, I, I hope it's it's something that he'll that he'll recover from and doesn't happen again. <laughs> but it's it's not as concerning as concussions, at least. You know, it's correct. Yeah, growing injuries are are brutal for goalies with the way they they move in the crease. Um, but I think he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, going back to Ryan Strom, since 2019, he has um, 125 points in 145 games, which is a point per game average of 0.86. Now I'm going to name a list of centers that have a lower point per game average than Ryan Strom in the same span. Nugent Hopkins, Kuznetsov, Couturier, Lindholm, Pedersen, Barzal, Giroux, Krejci, Kadri, Hurdle, Trocek, Sam Reinhardt, Taves, 
Larkin, Nelson, and Shen. There's some impressive names in there that actually play during that spin because I know some of those have been out for different reasons, but playing Pavelski, Pavelski, Horvat, Gator, Sagan, Duchesne, all lower point per game averages than Ryan Strome since 2019. Yeah, I know he's playing with a Hemi Panarin, but my counter argument against that is always and will always be that Panarin is producing at a higher rate playing with, with Strome too. Yeah. Panarin hit career highs in goals and, and assists in a shortened season in only 69 games playing with Ryan Strom. There's no way this team's going to move on from Ryan Strom, from Ryan Strom. Yeah, not not in not in the near future at least. I don't I don't see that happening at all. No. Yeah. You know, I agree with you, but that was an that was an awesome game for you to cap off and get a sigh of relief at the end with Igor. So And then the last one, um I was on the plane for that one, so I didn't watch it live. Yeah, I, I can take it over from here, Stephen. So you were on the plane. You know, we're we're worried. Stephen leaves New York. He went five and zero with the Rangers during that span. Three and zero in attendance. Okay, so a loss is coming, is what you're saying? No, Rangers thankfully win this one. So you know we can we can put that to bed for now. Um, the Rangers win three to two. Shots they outshot the Blackhawks three one to twenty seven. Lost in the faceoff dot per usual, however, fifty seven to forty three. Did score on the power play that we'll be getting into. Hits 28 to 26 in the Rangers' favor. Blocks 17 to 15 in the Rangers' favor. And giveaways, unfortunately, in the Rangers' favor, 9 to 7. But this was an annoying start to the game because literally right at the end, right the worst time to give up a goal, obviously, is within the last minute or two. It's just it's always a gut punch. It has your head hanging down a little bit. And we see a fluky goal. It's not that when you look at the review, uh, I mean, from what I saw, I didn't completely deep dive it. But it looked like it was a high stick that then led Kane to get that goal. It was like a, re- a rebound, a bounce. So Kane gets the goal with literally just a couple seconds left in the uh, in the first period. And Stephen, what was you, what's your take on that after seeing that? Um. Yeah. I'll, look, if you're a Ranger fan with season tickets, you are fucked if you if you are in your seat too late or if you leave too early this season because this shit keeps happening. We either yeah. score in the last game, in the last minute of the period, or the first first minute of the period. Um, it sucks conceding that goal. Um, but I I understand why the refs called it the way they did. It was not a shot on goal, so the puck can be hit above the crossbar. It has to be hit below the shoulder. Um, I think did Gallant challenge that? I honestly don't know if he did. I don't. I don't recall if he did or not. Because there's a delay of game <clears throat> penalty right at the same moment. I'm looking at the box score now. Oh I, well, I then it, it would have to be that and he lost the challenge. There. Yeah, there's no. Uh, yeah, that would yeah. be the obvious reason. So uh, I'm going to assume he challenged there. So yeah, un- unlucky goal, but the rules are the rules. You know, you can hit the you can hit the puck above the crossbar as long as it doesn't go on goal. Now, there's a question whether or not Georgiev touching that puck makes it a shot on goal. Mm-hmm. If it's not directed towards the goal, but if it comes sideways and the goalie touches it, is it considered a shot on goal? Mm. Or is that considered the goalie just deflecting the puck? Yeah. And that, that's, I think, the biggest argument here. But mm-hmm. ultimately, the refs call it the way they do. I, I, don't really, I don't really have an argument against it. But I can I can understand why Ranger fans were upset. 
Oh, and see, this is this is where I'm remembering the Ryan Strom goal. I don't know. I was getting thrown off. Then we yeah. get into the second period, and Strom does yeah. get a power play goal. And yes, it's literally open net on the right side. So there we go. Assisted by Panarin and Fox. Um, you know, Strom just continuing the points. Panarin looking great. Fox looking. Panarin had an awesome game. So did Fox. Um, Adam Fox then scores as well, gets his fifth of the year, a really nice goal, assist by Hunt and Panarin in the second. Then we have the third period, and Artemi does what he does best against, you know, his former teams as well, from Columbus now to Chicago, gets himself a really nice goal, his seventh of the year, um, assisted by Strom and Truba, who Truba's been playing some really good hockey as of late, in my opinion. By the way, on the, on that second goal, the one by Adam Fox, Ryan Strom initially got the assist. Yes, that's correct, and then it got switched. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, that goal by Panarin was his 499th NHL point. I know. It's so awesome. there is a good chance that tomorrow is number he's 500. Going to hit 500 in Chicago. If I'm a yeah. betting man, I think he gets it. <laughs> he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get his 500th point against the team he made his NHL debut for. Yep. In Chicago. That's awesome. I, I hope that I hope really hope that happens. Yeah. And then the last goal by Alex DeBrinket. I want to talk about that if you don't mind. Sure. Go ahead. Because I'm sick and tired of Petrick Nemeth assassinating our goalies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, that was a great point. He needs to he needs to stop this this bullshit. Yeah. Go ahead. Stop pushing players into our goalies, please. Yeah. I've seen it at least four times now this season. And I don't understand why. Um if he doesn't do anything, your gift covers up the puck. The game's 3-1. You don't have to worry about the empty net. You don't have to worry about getting scored on 6-5. On I mean, um, now the Brinkett gets the goal. It's 3-2. And then you have a minute 20, I think, where you still have to defend the lead. Uh, instead of it being 3-1. It's it's just it's 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 unnecessary and I I wasn't a fan of Patrick Nemeth in the beginning. I was I was okay. I thought I thought it was okay to sign him. wasn't a huge fan, but having seen him play for two months, I'm I'm over him. There's he doesn't add anything on the ice. He's he's a trade ship waiting to happen. He's and that's the thing. If they want to keep Ryan Strom, Patrick Nemeth is the first candidate to get traded. Absolutely. He has two years left. Two point five million. That will clear clear up enough cap room to uh, to keep Ryan Strom. Yep, and the Rangers have the uh, prospect depth defensively. You know that they can they can absolutely they can handle it, even if they have some bumps in the road when they're first you know getting themselves acclimated to the NHL. I think the Rangers can still handle that for speaking, certain. Speaking, but... of, speaking of yeah, we do we I do want to get that get into that for for a couple of minutes the whole prospect thing because we will. Uh, yeah, we we have a good season on on our hands with our prospects too. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into. The, I'll let you take that away shortly. But that's all you really need to know. Georgiev had a very solid game for the Rangers in this one. Got the job done, which is needed. I mean, look, with Igor out, even it's a couple games. These are games that the Rangers still absolutely need to win. So shout out Georgie. He's also playing tomorrow night at the time of recording this uh, when they're in Chicago uh, Tuesday this week. So we'll see how he does then. But. Rangers again past seven games since last time we talked. They only one loss. They only have one loss, and that was the first game, and it was only a two-one loss in Toronto. So, all is positive on the Rangers front right now. And I really want to get into 
just how significant this six straight uh, you know wins has been for the Rangers. And I know as many of you guys are watching live, if you are, please make sure to smash that like and subscribe on if you're enjoying this episode of Rangers Review. Make sure to also check us out if you're listening on the podcast form to leave us a nice review. Um, no pun intended. If you guys would, it would really mean a lot. But let's get into now over the past seven games, the Rangers I have some statistics here for us. So during that span, since we last spoke, uh, Rangers lean scorers during that time. Artemi Panarin, awesome past seven games, 10 points to be exact. Uh, Adam Fox, nine points in his past seven games. And Ryan Strom, eight points in his past seven games, including 10 points in his last 11 games. So very, very strong stuff for Strom. He's been getting on the point board endlessly. And, you know, for uh, a team that isn't necessarily gaining constant goal scoring from maybe some other guys like Amika Zibanejad, you know, a little underwhelming, but not nothing that I'm concerned about. Um, but he's not off to a scoring pace that we've been accustomed to in recent years, um, even though I know he did have a slow start in the short pandemic season. Um, it's nice to see Strom to kind of, you know, pick up weight a little bit and constantly gain on that score sheet and doing well, as always, with Panarin. Um, I also want to talk about Igor. Appreciation for Igor uh, Shostorkin, or Shostorkin, um, how you would like to call it. Um, he has five straight wins now for the Rangers, and he's won eight of his past nine games. Um, that includes one game where he wasn't a starter because that's when he came in relief, uh, you know, in the third for Georgiev. But you can tell that, you know, a big part of the reason why the Rangers have been winning has been their goaltending. Yes, they've been been more in unison as a club recently with their lines and everything. But Igor has still been the man holding the whole um, holding the fort, all everything together. He's done an absolutely stellar job and this team needs him. And, you know, this kind of goes on to the talk that we've had previously about. Uh, goaltending tandems, right? Um, Igor deserves a lot of starts, and rightfully so. But if if this is a continued trend for him, potentially, or he does get these, you know, nagging injuries here and there, um, they could they could result into into something that will obviously not be good for this club. You need Igor more available than you need him not available. It's not even close. So I think this is going to be further telling for the Rangers heading into the offseason that you know, unless Georgiev really turns himself around and he finds himself staying on the Rangers for the foreseeable future, that they need to try their best to have a backup that can really hold things down um, whenever they feel that maybe Igor just needs a little extra rest because at the end of the day, this is our our all-star of a goaltender. This is a guy that very well can find himself as a potential Vesna winner this year, or at least as a finalist. He's that good, and he's in the prime of his career. By no means do I want to see any of it get wasted or lost potential due to consistent injuries for various reasons. So I just want to throw that out there about Igor. Um, that's something that I think all of us Ranger fans are always worried about with him, his health. Um, so if you can do anything and everything to potentially, you know, maximize the amount you're going to get out of him and limit the amount of risk with injury, then by all means do it. So if that means that maybe they do turn towards a different goaltender as a backup, as part of a one-two tandem next season, then so be it. You know, you want to see the team win, but you also want to make sure that you have your stud goaltender down the stretch and where it matters most come playoffs, which is what the Rangers will be doing for years and years to come. So that's why I want to mention Georgiev also, like we said, been very solid in these past, you know, game and a half uh, since coming in for Igor's injury. I hope that continues for his sake. And if you look at power play and penalty kill wise, Rangers have done a stellar job on both fronts during the seven game span. If you're talking about power play wise, the Rangers were 27.8% the past seven games, five for 18 to be exact. Uh, PK wise, they've been literally awesome. 16 for 18, um, 88.9%. If you look at how their uh, season totals are right now, the Rangers are the ninth best team in the NHL power play wise at 22.1%. Uh, penalty kill wise, they're 16th, so they're you know right around average uh, at 82.3%. 
Um, shots against is still an issue for them. However, they need to continue trying to, you know, uh, limit as much shot creation from the opposing team as possible. They're 19th in the league, giving up right around 32 shots per game to the opposing club. But yeah, I just want to throw those numbers out there. Rangers have been on a really good stretch. And if you look at how Igor's importance has been with gaining the one column constantly, and also looking at point production with Panarin getting back in the groove of things, but Panarin looking like the Panarin that we all like know and love. You know, Panarin had a slow start to the season. Yes, he was getting points, but he didn't look like himself. And you and I made that abundantly clear. So it's great to see not just him in a role point-wise, but also looking like the Panarin that we're accustomed to. One where he's gaining points, but more deservedly so, per se, versus maybe things going a little lucky in his favor. So uh, with that being said, uh, we can definitely pivot to you on any final thoughts you have on the six-game win streak. And then we'll get into prospects. Um, Yeah, like I've said it elsewhere, but um, I'm, I'm happy the Rangers are winning, but I'm even happier that the Rangers are winning playing sustainable hockey. Yep. They're playing a style of hockey that if they play a hundred games like this, you can expect them to win most of them. Whereas in the past we were playing games where if you play them 10 times, you lose them nine out of 10. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference between the Rangers now and the Rangers in October and early November. So that's something fans should be happy about. And, if someone if someone points out on like on social media that yeah the Rangers are winning but we're not playing well, that's not that doesn't mean that that you know they're not happy that they're winning. I was I'm always happy when, when we win, but I'm I'm realistic enough to realize that the way we're playing is not sustainable. And you can be happy with a win and still criticize the way your team plays. Um, but right now they're playing better. Uh, Panarin is playing better. The only player we really need to heat up now is Mika Zibanejad, but he started off slow ne- last season too. Um, I think I think it's going to happen in a couple of in a couple of games, um, and and hopefully around the time we're going to uh, face some stronger opposition. Yeah, because that's you when know. we need a guy like Mika Zibanejad to show up. Yeah, we need, and I think if there's any benefit from him being, you know a little quiet, at least in the goal column, is that he he feels inevitable that he's going to break out like he usually does. So if that means that he's going to start breaking out when the Rangers need him to most, second half of the season, by all means, that's fine with me. You know, I love pretty stats. I love guys like Zibanejad that can push north of 40 goals and stuff. But at the end of the day, what matters most is obviously helping this team win and also how they're winning. As long as Zibanejad gets on a groove when, it, when it's going to be most important second half down the stretch of the season, that's what I am more focused on than anything else. This is now the time, if we're being honest, where he can handle, where the Rangers can handle the um, quote-unquote underwhelming aspect of his goal scoring this season because they haven't been facing nearly as an intense competition. And this isn't a slight on him. Zbigniew hasn't been playing bad. We just know that goal scoring-wise, he's off to a little bit of a slower pace than you know, what we expect of him. And it's, it's okay, though. I'm not really concerned on his front. Um you know, it goes in hand with Lafreniere, how, you know, I think Laffy is going to continue to get better and all those other things. So it's just a matter of time uh, with all of them respectively. But now let's get into prospects before a little bit, because I know that you got plenty to talk about. We haven't talked about prospects in a bit. So if you'd like to emphasize what has been most important in uh, Rangers prospect land since last time we spoke, uh, by all means, go ahead. And then from there, we'll kind of wrap things up ask questions in the live stream and then we'll get into um, the upcoming schedule uh, for the next week before we get out of here. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things happening. Uh, Hockey Canada announced their team. Uh, Will Cooley and Dylan Garand are included. Awesome. Yeah. Brennan Hoffman isn't, which is a big surprise. Given how good of a season he's had thus far. He is one of the better players in the OHL this season uh, at the age of 18. Uh, contributes to 64% or sorry, 46% of his team's goals, which is the highest in the OHL by any wow. player. Um, and for some reason, he's not on the team. Um, now, I spoke to someone who uh, said to me that none of the players, none of the OHL players playing in the United States were even interviewed by Hockey Canada. So maybe that's something that that, that has something to do with it. Okay. The OHL has three uh, teams based in the U.S. The Saginaw Spirit, the Flint Firebirds, both in Michigan, and the Erie Otters in um, Pennsylvania. So maybe that has something to do with it, but it's disappointing to not see him in the World Juniors. I fully expected him to be there. Um, but another guy that's definitely going to be there, I can you can put money on this, is Brett Berard for Team USA. Um, I Berard is one of four prospects that I think has a really good shot at making the team and be like a, a contributing player. Buzz the on. other three... The other three are Offman, Cooley, and Zach Jones. Uh, I think those four are locks to make the team at some point. Uh, Jones is having a good season in the AHL. Uh, 13 points, I think. Um, let me quickly look it up. Let me quickly verify. While you're quickly looking it up, I'd like to 13, shout out. 13 like points in 18 games, yeah. 13 points, awesome. All right, I just want to say thank you to a uh, subscriber here on uh, the channel that's watching us on YouTube for the $2 donation. Really appreciate that, Mr. Sensei. I know you spelled Makar as maker, but I understood you were trying to say Makar. Makar, nowhere near Fox. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, uh, we obviously have a bias towards us, but the numbers also indicate, um, you know, Adam Fox is, I think we can all agree, the best defenseman in the league. And this isn't a slight on Kel Makar at all. I'm not trying to jinx anything as the Rangers play him this week, um, you know, but I uh, definitely view them both as great talents but in the leagues, the best. But I still have Adam Fox as number one. I think I think the top five defensemen in the league are in order: Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, Roman Yossi, Kel McCarr, Victor Hedman. I we're gonna get into debates if we do this right now. Yeah, but don't, look, don't do it. <laughs> a great defenseman, and if we didn't have Adam Fox, I'd love him on my team. Um, I'd love them both together, but I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the Rangers, the Rangers, who, can who's, only go, handle, who's, going, who's going to pay 18 million for two defensemen? The Rangers can only handle one, uh, like certain puck moving defenseman, you know, right now because Truba, he's not to the level like Fox and Niels isn't there yet, but he has potential to be really good in his career. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a reason why anyway. we don't have Pionk and Tony D here still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you, you're talking about, um, Jones and Lundqvist. Um and there's also Schneider still and Robertson. I think we'll see Jones and Schneider on the team later in the season. When there's some injuries, they'll be the first call-ups. I think Jones has a really good chance of taking over from Nemeth next season. I don't think Nemeth's going to be here past this season with the way the, the, the cap is structured, the way he's playing. Um, and I think Braden Schneider will have to earn his way onto the team. But yep. with the way Niels Lundqvist is playing, there's no reason to send him down. There's also no nothing to indicate Braden Schneider would, would 
would perform better in the NHL. It's a big jump from the AHL to the NHL. Give him, um, give him time to get acclimated. Yeah. The Rangers aren't in a situation where they need he, to rush him. He just turned 20. He's a defenseman. Defensemen always take a little bit longer. But the Rangers would rather have Jones and Schneider play 19, 20, 21 minutes in Hartford for a full season than have them up with the team and play limited minutes. Rightfully so. Whereas Nils Lundqvist is a more established player already who, in their eyes, doesn't have much to gain from a stint in the AHL. Um, so Lundqvist being on the team over Schneider makes a lot of sense if you look at uh, the logistics of, of how the team is set up. Um, and I think I think the bigger issue for the Rangers is what are they going to do with with their, their junior prospects next season? And especially yeah. with Brennan Hoffman, because this kid is lighting up the OHL at age 18. He's not eligible to play in Hartford next season either. He's not eligible this season, he's not eligible next season. The, the the first time he can actually play in Hartford, aside from a tryout, tryout, is the 2023-2024 season. I honestly hope they find a solution to, to have him play somewhere else. Um I know Schneider. No, no, talking about Brennan Hoffman. Oh, okay. Because he's not eligible to play in the AHL. Um but I do like where this team is going with their forward prospects. You have Baron, you have Pioniemi, you have Cooley, Schneider, uh, uh, Cooley, Hoffman, and then Ryder Korzak, who I think is one of the more underrated draft picks in recent years. Very underrated. I haven't been following him game by game like I know you have, but I've, I I was in favor of that draft pick from the beginning. Yeah. But before yeah. you get a Ryder, I want to ask you about Brennan for a second. So you're saying that you hope that there's potentially a different spot for him soon knowing that he isn't available for the AHL anytime soon, right? Either he makes it the NHL team or he's back in the OHL. And given how he's – if he's, like, completely dominating OHL, would it potentially give him more benefit if he goes back overseas like what he did in his draft? Yeah, but, but that's something he cannot do. Oh, he's not allowed. Because he's under contract with an NHL team now. NHL teams cannot assign players drafted out of juniors to teams overseas without their approval. So if the Flint Fire... Oh, okay, okay, okay. The only way... I've looked into this. It's difficult to find because there's... It's difficult to get your hands on a copy of the CHL transfer agreement because it was agreed upon in, I think, 1971. Okay. Um, But as far as I know, the only way Brandon Altman can play overseas is if his team, the Flint Firebirds, renounces rights. And that's not so going to be an easy thing to do. <laughs> they, would, they would terminate his contract. By doing so, they would basically throw away any fees they would receive from the Rangers. Um, it's It would be bad for business. Um, so, unfortunately, this is this is the, the deal Brandon Hoffman signed up for when he, when, he, when he declared for major junior hockey when he was uh, 16 years old. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. He's not the only – I mean, we could go down a long list of players that outplay their times in juniors. You know what I mean? Uh, Matt Barzello, Mark Shifley, to name a few. Yeah. Braden Point, who played for the same uh, team as Ryder Korzak right now, by the way. You can um, make the argument with Ty Ronning, given his final year, because he was he was older in age too. Yeah, I think Ty Ronning was, was too good for the WHL, but not good enough for pro, so – Yep. It was difficult with him because he's a smaller kid. He doesn't play an overly physical style of hockey. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brendan Hoffman has already already has pro experience where he did really well. 
I think Brandon Othman would be better suited for pro hockey. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, between Othman, Korzak, Cooley, Berard, and then Payuniemi and Baron in Hartford, finally we have some forward prospects to uh, to look forward to. Unfortunately, most of them are wingers. But I mean, one one step at a time, right? Uh, if we if we do indeed hang on to Zibanejad and Strom, there's no need for for uh, a, a, a center prospect to break through. Yep, at least not you know in the coming years, maybe down the stretch, but not right now. And there's still Carl Henriksen in Sweden, who's going to be playing for Hartford next season. So yep, that's that's true. Yeah, but overall, the Rangers for years we were talking about their defensive prospects. And now we're talking about their their forwards, which is which is good because our defense is set now. Correct. You know, we have the kids in Hartford to call up if we need to. Now we need these forwards to uh, to really to really make their mark. Further uh, emphasis on the Payunemis, who's actually done really well uh, in yeah. some games. I I'm on. Oh yeah, when you were at the game for Hartford, didn't he have two goals? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, it, I, I saw that. I was like, it's because Stevens there. It all makes sense now. He was he was so happy to saw his Finland jersey, and he's like, "Oh, you re- oh you repped his Finland jersey there." After the game, he signed it, and he's like, "I never seen this jersey anywhere." Yeah, that's cool. So uh, yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, he had two goals in that game. Kodorenko had a goal and an assist. Um, so I met him at the game too. Um, and then Justin Richards. I think Justin Richards is a. Uh, is an under the radar uh, candidate to uh, to make the team in a few years. Uh, he's more fourth a fourth line player, uh, so he would replace uh, Kevin Rooney if we ever move on from him. Uh, but it's nice to have these kids, you know, coming through the through the ranks now. Um, I am going to do a prospect breakdown with the guys from uh, Big Apple Hockey in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, so I'll I'll dive. I'll go into into more depth on these prospects and what to expect. Uh, yeah, if you guys, most of you guys probably know them, but if you guys don't know Big Apple Hockey, they are also great Ranger content creators on YouTube. So make sure to check them out on their channel, respectively. If you guys have an array, I'm sure that we'll be doing um, collaborations with them in the near future. So make sure to do that. But yeah, that, that's that's all from my end. So if there are any questions. Yeah, let's get a question. So, guys, if you're watching this live, we're going to do our Q&A segment. If you're listening on replay, then you know how this usually goes by now or if you're listening wherever you get your podcasts too. Um, the format will try to make it a little bit different um, as time goes on and potentially give listeners that are listening strictly through the podcast form an ability to give in questions too as we get more acclimating, you know, um, comfortable with what we're doing here for Rangers Review. But Q&A time, folks, we're going to be going for the next, I'd say let's go for, you know, upwards of 10 minutes and then, We'll do a quick breakdown on the next week of games for the Rangers before we expect to talk again and give our predictions because, you know, our predictions have just been kaput from not talking in, you know, easily two, two and a half weeks now. So we got to get back on that grind and see who's going to hold the belt. I don't even know. Do you have the belt? Do I have the belt? If I do, I, I lost it. So I got to, I got to look for it. I don't know. It's, it's, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, question here from Enzo. Do the Rangers acquire a top six right winger this season? I think that there's a possibility yes. that they do. Yes, I, I think they do. I think they're going to pick one up from Russia in, in March. In March. <laughs> Meaning that Vitaly's coming back is what Steven is insinuating yeah. here. Um, I do. Um, I think I, that I they're going to make a trade. 
I, I just think don't know if, they, if they can get a right winger on an expiring contract and they don't have to give up too much, they might do it at the deadline. Um, someone like Phil Kessel, who has, has been linked with the Rangers. Yeah, I've um, seen, I've heard a lot of talk about that. I'm not sure he is the answer, but we all know how much Chris Drury loves acquiring players who have already won Stanley Cup. So, yep, that's true. It do, it doesn't hurt. I don't think Kessel would hurt the locker room. It would, it would bring the been... number of Stanley Cup rings in the locker room to seven, or so, sorry, to five. Okay. So, uh, because Goudreau has two and Blay has one. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's get into. We got a couple more questions here um, from Hooligan. Do I think we should stop using Shesty so much uh, because Yorgiev isn't bad? He just needs more time on ice and games play with confidence. You know, here's the thing. The Rangers' motive, first and foremost, this season is winning, right? Under this new, you know, playoff mentality with Galan. So, Georgie has been beyond underwhelming until the past game and a half. So, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's he he hasn't been bad. He has been bad in plenty of instances. There's a drastic difference between the two on an average night-to-night basis. And I know that confidence is a big thing in that for players, and he's made it known himself. You clearly tell that he lacks confidence, but he'll continue to build it up. One more playing time, he guess. I think that this is a huge test for Yorgiev, right? You know, how is he going to do in Chicago tomorrow? How is he going to do for the remainder of this week? The Rangers have four games this week, so they have a lot that's going on. And Yorgiev more than likely is going to be starting those games. Um, so to answer your question, this is really his best chance to prove himself in the short term right now to give the Rangers feeling that they have more leeway at the goaltending position. But make no mistake, while I don't want to see Shesterkin get hurt, and I do want to eliminate any potential risk of him getting hurt, obviously the Rangers are going to prioritize wins first and foremost. And if Yorgiev is not helping them get there, then, you know, that's all she wrote. That's been the case so far this season in multiple games. It's been the case last season, the shortened season. Um, Steven, I think you can attest to that, right? Yeah. Um, Shesterkin was happy when he was announced to be the starter <laughs> of the team. Uh, when he was in the KHL, he was part of a tandem for many years. It was with Koskinen first and then with Magnus Helberg, former Ranger goalie. Um, and when you are significantly better than the other goalie, there's no need to go with a 1A, 1B setup. And under David Quinn, David Quinn openly said, I don't know who my starting goalie is at, at the start of last season. How do you expect Chesterkin to react when his numbers are significantly better than Georgiev's? Yep. And then your coach comes out and says, I don't know who my starter is. So the, one of the first things Galan did when he came in was to, to, to tell Chesterkin that he's the starter now. I don't. I, that doesn't mean I want him to play 70 games. I think between 60 and 65 would be the max for a starting goalie. Uh, we've had seasons in the past where someone like Lundqvist played over 70 games and it burns them out. Yeah. Because once you get to the playoffs, they have nothing left in the tank. Um, so I'm okay with the way we are we are using Shesterkin. You want to play games, you, you play games to win, and your best chance at winning is to play your best goalie. So unless there's a unless there's a back to back, just play Shesterkin. Yeah, and that that's that's been the model they went with for, you know, it, Gallant quickly figured that one out this season, and I think he'll and, continue and I don't think as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I don't think his injury it has anything to do with his usage. I don't. It, it might going forward if we if 
there no, is no, but, but I mean, his injury is not caused by him playing too many games. Oh, yeah, no, that I agree with. Yeah, no, yeah, so, I agree with you on that one. I'm okay with the way that you agree now. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, pleasant surprise, biggest one so far for the Rangers. Mine, it's Chris Kreider. Um, didn't expect Kreider to have 16 goals, 19 points for the first 20 plus games. That's a pleasant surprise. I think most people could agree. What about you, Steven? Uh, I think Adam Fox. Um, it's it's hard to follow up a Norris Trophy season. And so the he, fact that he's out playing what he did last year, right? Well, the, fact, the, fact, the fact that he's playing better than when he won a Norris Trophy. That's mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, pleasant surprises. Uh, I like the way Kako's playing recently, you know, putting up some points. Um, but I think my unsung hero on this team, and I mentioned him before, Kevin Rooney. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like that. I, know I think he, Kevin I Rooney is, uh, is is part of the heart and soul of this team. You need the and, Kevin Rooney's of the role remember, you need to be. Remember, they used a protection slot on him in the expansion draft for a yep. reason. And it seems like it's paying off. Oh, yes. Yeah. In hindsight, it looks like a great decision. Absolutely. All right, Yona, thank you so much for the $5 donation. I appreciate that. Happy Independence Day to all Finnish Rangers fans. Awesome. Happy Independence Day to you, my friend. Any chance we could get a short uh, summary of Steven's background? Seems really interesting. All right. I mean, I feel like I could do it myself, but I'll let I'll let Steven go ahead. Steven, give us a very, very all short right. summary of your background because we have a couple my more background. So like my life in general. Um. Born and raised in the Netherlands, moved to South Africa when I was 22, moved to Austria when I was 29, moved to Ireland uh, six months ago, became a Rangers fan when I was seven, eight years old. My parents were always fighting. They were in the middle of a divorce. I was watching a lot of TV when I came home from school every day. And every day at 4 p.m., there was a TV station in Europe called Eurosport. I think it was still called Screen Sport at the time. They were showing NHL highlights every weekday. Uh, so I was watching NHL highlights as a kid. Um, my dad would buy me the New York Post at the American bookstore in the city. And that's how I started to read English and start to understand, you know, words, certain words at a young age. And uh, I started following the Rangers because I, as a kid, I thought it was weird that they were the only team without a logo on their jersey. I, I thought that was odd. And that's how I connected with the team. 2016, uh, went to my first Rangers game. 2017, when I moved to Austria for a job, I, uh, I I was I started a job where I traveled a lot to countries like Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic, and that's when I really started to uh, you know to go to hockey games. You know, it was around the same time the Rangers started their rebuild, so they were drafting a lot of players from Europe. So I was going to these games and just attending them, and you connect with people. You know, you. You you go to a you go to a, an under twenty tournament in the Czech Republic and you support a kid from Sweden playing against a kid from Russia, and the parents walk up to you and go, "Why do you support my eighteen year old grandson?" I go, "Well, he was drafted by the Rangers." Just fan this and that. But that's how the connection started, and and it just started growing from there. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better considering that's your story, not mine. Um, but yeah, good good question. Appreciate the donation again, Yona. Uh, we'll get on to a couple more uh, before we get on to the schedule for the Rangers upcoming. Been reading that the Rangers might look up uh, look to upgrade a defenseman over Nemeth. You guys think they bring up Jones for uh, first to see how the two uh, with two kids on the third pairing? Personally, I, I think Jones will get an 
experience this year. I don't know the likelihood of him naturally being with Niels. I think if that might happen, they might split up Miller and Truba if they feel that they can be comfortable enough doing that. Because I still feel like that there will be a, a bit more comfortability in splitting up a pair that is established versus keeping a pair together that has no experience, that they're both rookies, right? So that's yeah. my take. 2019-2020, we had a rookie defensive pairing in Lindgren and Fox. And it worked out great, but... It was also Adam Fox who would win a Norris Trophy a year later. So um, I think if Zach Jones gets an opportunity, they'll do what what Tyler alluded to. Um, they'll play Jones with Truba and they'll play Miller with Lundqvist. I think those are two really good fits on defense. Uh, Jones with the way he he moves the puck uh, with Truba's physicality, I think that's a really good a really good combination. And that third pairing might ease things a little bit for Keandre Miller. At times, he has looked uncomfortable. He's looked a bit shaky defensively. But if he's on a third pairing with Nils Lundqvist, then the matchups might be a little easier for him. And it might help him grow into the player that, that we all hope he can be. So I think that's that's the move going forward. I think Jones has I think Jones is a better defenseman than Keandre Miller. Um and and it's it's mostly because of the way Jones has played so far. They played in the World Juniors a couple of years ago on the same team, and in that tournament, Zach Jones was already better than Keandre. I, I was watching that tournament. Yeah, that was. I, I remember vividly when Keandre got uh, you know just absolutely fooled by Alexi. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that was the 2020 World Juniors in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 Zach Jones was better then, and he's better now, in my opinion. Uh, I think that I think that will happen at the end of the season. I don't think they're going to move on from Nemeth at the deadline, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from Hayek and to Nordy, if they're and, able then, to. and then keep Nemeth as a seventh defenseman until at least the end of the season. Yeah, that's fair, and that's an outcome I'm not really against at all. I would sure. be rather in favor of it. Um, donation here from Mr. Sensei again. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Uh, do I think Fox will have a better career than Leach? I think simple answer to this is I wouldn't compare the two. I know it's really easy to because that easy because Fox is best Rangers defenseman since someone like Brian Leach, but they're so different. I don't see I don't see Fox surpassing Leach in point production. Um, but nor nor do I think that's a slight on Fox. Like uh, there's reasons behind their utilization and everything. Well, scoring has changed significantly since Leach played. Absolutely, yeah. That's why I, I really wouldn't comp the two. Um, I would say that let's just hope that Fox has an amazing career like he has at this point. And, you know, look at those two as two of the best defensemen the Rangers have ever had in their history. I think Adam Fox might end up with more individual hardware than Brian Leach. Though. Individual? Mm, maybe. May, I'll, be, I'll be a little tough. How, how he, he, had, he had two, two Norris trophies and yeah. a constant. Yeah, I actually, I could agree with that. I could see him getting more hardware. If you, if you look at the if you look at the 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 young the, the the core of young defensemen in the league right now, when when Brian Leach was a young defenseman in the league, he had better competition than Adam Fox right now. Okay. Um, I think it's a good core with McAvoy and McCarr leading the way, and in the near future, guys like Owen Power might break through. Mira Heiskanen might improve a little bit more. But once guys like Hetman and Yossi retire, the Norris Trophy is going to be between those three. But it's going to be between Fox, McAvoy, and Makar. 
And, okay. and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Fox wins more more than two, maybe three, maybe four, the way he's playing now. Yeah. Um, I I think that at the moment there are three players on this team that will have their numbers raised to the rafters at Madison Square Garden, though. I think so, too. It's Panarin, Fox, and Shostjorkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kreider, maybe, if he wins a cup. He would be... I think Kreider's career is is best compared to Adam Graves. If Kreider wins okay. a cup with the Rangers, then his number could go up there as well. I think you could also make that argument with Zbanjad if he stays on this team long term. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't. There's a I'm, lot of big question marks, but again, they, a lot needs to go in their favor. It's, it's question marks. I, yeah. But I think the way if Panarin, I expect Panarin to play until he's he's almost forty with the Rangers. He's happy in New York. Shesterkin uh, is a, is is a potential future Hall of Famer. I think Adam Fox is going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I know it's early. I know it's only his third his third season, but sometimes there are players where you just know. Um, yeah, done anything to make us think otherwise right now, you know. So there's yeah. that. So and, and the fact that he's doing it as a third round pick, 66 overall, is even more impressive. Ooh, yes, yes. Artemi Panarin, undrafted for agent. It goes. Yes, goes on. Igor, exactly, exactly. They might not just because they're not the pre picks doesn't mean they're not the best yeah. picks. Um, and okay. I think, and I think before we move on to the next one, quickly on yeah. Macar, I think early on in their in their rookie seasons, Macar got a lot of votes based on based on reputation, being a fourth overall pick. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Look, the the back was against the wall for Fox in regards to you know the just the rookie race because he didn't have the same point production like McCarr. He wasn't as flashy as him or Hughes. You know. Now we're seeing a lot has changed since then. However, I thought Foxy was deserving of being a finalist that year. Dominic mm. Kubalik had other had other things to say too. So, well, a, th- a thirty goal rookie season gets you in the top three. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I he think, was, I he think was a very interesting that- story too. I think Fox should have been in the top three ahead of Quinn Hughes, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's get on to uh, the second and last question we'll be taking here, folks. Uh, Raphael, thank you so much for the $10 donation here on YouTube. Really appreciate that, my friend. I've seen uh, Georgie play good games and make amazing saves in the past, including yesterday, but he never got chance from the Garn. Doesn't he deserve an Alex Alex chant when the uh, when he does well? Thanks. I agree. Yeah, I mean, look, the only way for Yorgiev to get more on a roll is to get boost his confidence outside of, you know, just him performing well. Confidence is something that will be a driving force for any and every player. Any player, of course, will tell you that. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I'm in favor of chance. I think part of the reasons why chance don't happen, however, is because of Yorgiev being rather underwhelming to this point. Um, mm-hmm. If we see more of this, if we see more of a respectable Georgiev, then I think we get it. I, we've seen chance of him in the past. I I don't think we're Alex. I think they were Georgie because I don't think you can do Georgiev. I think they were Georgie, um, Georgie. which I, which I think is cool. Um, well, when, yeah. When's the last time a backup goalie had a chant at the Garden? Yeah, that's fair. It just you know. it doesn't really happen. And, you know, the reason the reason the Igor chant works is because it, it, the reason it's so powerful is because of the moments where it happens. You know, yeah. the chant that Igor got against the Flyers is a chant that he earned, not just for for killing the five-minute power play, but the way he did it. You know, he he made saves holding Truba's stick because he lost his own stick on the penalty kill. The way he's played for the last year and a half, 
the way he has carried this team throughout the season so far, the way he has he has single-handedly won us games with with magnificent magnificent saves. That's how you earn the chant. I'm, I'm not saying that Georgiev shouldn't get a chant at the Garden, but he has to earn it. And with a, with this fan base, with any fan base, you're you're going to have to earn it. If Georgiev has a stellar game where he makes 48 saves uh, and he gets a shutout against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm pretty sure he'll get a chant at the Garden for that in the final seconds of the game. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and uh, it, it makes. But- you're not going to get it in a 3-2 win over the Chicago Blackhawks, who are a piss-poor team. No, you'll get it if you have like a stellar performance again. Yeah. As, as long as – consistency is key. Yeah. For it has to be either yeah. a stellar one-off performance, consistency, or something really rare, like the five-minute penalty kill with with a, with a defenseman stick in your hand. That's that, that still baffles me, that he didn't concede a goal while holding Truba stick. Yeah. No, that was and, insane. <laughs> and that's a right-handed defenseman stick too. So it it's curved the wrong way. Yep. Everything about that play is wrong. Feels like me when I play hockey with my friends and I don't have the proper stick. They all have lefties or something. So I'm like, all right, let's try to make yeah. this work. <laughs> um, but the last comment that we'll be taking again, thank you all so much for the questions, guys, in the live stream. Um, before we get on to the upcoming games, is from Josh the Iceman. Thank you so much for the two dollar donation, my friend. Always appreciate that. Do I think Huska or Wall can perform in the AHL? Yes. Um, I don't think Huska is the guy. I think Huska could make an appearance, but I think Wall is the one where there's more optimism with. Uh, what's mm-hmm. your take on that, Stephen? Yeah, I think Wall is the better goalie prospect. Um, the situation in Hartford now with Keith Kincaid and uh, what's the, what's the other guy that they signed? Uh, he's in Hartford now too. Brassard. Francois Brassard, and then Adam Haska and Tyler Wall uh, resulted in him being sent down to the ECHL to get some game time. For goalies, that, I think that's fine. Um, it's only his second pro season. Where where it's a weird time. Last season we didn't have an ECHL affiliate, so it's going to take a few years. But I think Wall has a better chance long term to be in the NHL. I don't think it's going to be for the Rangers though. Okay. Yeah, I think I think when uh, the Rangers are going to move on from Georgiev, I think it's more likely that Kincaid's going to be the backup next season. Okay, okay. Um, they're going to have Huska and Wall in Hartford, you know, competing for that third spot behind Kincaid, and then when Kincaid leaves, one of them is going to uh, one of them is going to uh, to fill in. Uh, but the one kid to look out for, in my opinion, is Dylan Garand. Who plays for the Kamloops Blazers? Yeah, fourth round pick. Say that. Fourth round pick in 2020, uh, putting up great numbers in the WHL. The only minor criticism I'd have, or minor reservation I have about his numbers, is that he plays on a stacked team. Um, so I want to see how he does with uh, with against better opposition. He did spend some time in Hartford last season when the WHL was on hold. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if he played any games, but he did spend time with them, you know, practicing, being part of the being part of the uh, the, the team on game days. So that was a good experience for him. I think he's he's the one to look out for long term to compete with uh, with Wall. I think Adam Huska is going to get traded uh, um, when when the time is right. But I yeah. do think we, we've. I think this is the last season for Georgiev in New York. 
I, I tend to agree with you on that on that one. And we talked about that multiple times. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you all so much for the questions, guys. Appreciate that. And Hogan, yes, if you uh, have a question for us that we weren't able to answer, by all means, you can tweet it at Steven or I or both of us. And we'll definitely let you know on Twitter uh, a response of whatever that is. Um, but yep. let's get on to the final thing before we get out of here and uh, also share our, you know, our predictions is the upcoming schedule, right? Because the Rangers have a lot of games this week. And, you know, depending on when we record next, if we're able to record next Monday, then that'll be a situation where, you know, we'll, we will see four games. If we find ourselves not being able to record until either maybe Tuesday, then um, that'll still actually be four games because they're going to be out West. So either yeah. way, it looks like it'll be uh, at least four games that we'll see. So starting tomorrow in Chicago against the Blackhawks, then it's a back-to-back. Then we're home. We fly back home uh, to face the Avalanche, which are always going to be a tough opponent. I'm, I do believe Nathan McKinnon's back, correct? Um, so that definitely is going to be uh, making things a little bit difficult. Um, then we have our third game of the week on Friday in Buffalo um, against the Sabres, and then Sunday game against Nashville. Um, from there, there are a couple games um, in Colorado and Arizona on the 14th and 15th, uh, but those are night games. So I'd imagine that we can hopefully get a recording on either Monday the 13th or, or the 14th prior to that second Colorado game. So four yeah. games coming up. I would say one of them uh, definitely sticks out like a sore thumb versus the others. Uh, so, Stephen, what is your prediction going to be for these next four games for the Rangers? I'm going to go 3-0-1. 3-0-1. Okay. All right. My prediction. I don't have to tell you what the one is, right? No. You don't have to. Because, okay. I mean – it it's you the game that sticks out like a sore thumb. That's, yeah, that's the one. I know the one in Buffalo. Um, so yes. mine's gonna be uh, three on one's a good one. Mm. I'm gonna go three and one. Okay, so three one and oh. Number of goals out of out of four. Um, tiebreaker. Yeah. Let's see. Total goals or just Rangers goals? Total Ranger goals. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to go 13. <laughs> if in case you guys aren't aware, I didn't even get to throw this stat out there. The Rangers in their past seven games have scored 23 goals, which is just over three per game. And they've only given up 12 in those past seven games. So they've done a great job on, uh, you know, doubling up on um, what they've been giving up. But yeah, 13 is my pick. I'll go with 14 then hoping they, uh, they, <laughs> that I, right. I, think, I think you might get, it. I think you might get it, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, you know, that's it. We're, we're just about to hit two hours here in this episode of Rangers View. Awesome discussion. Uh, episodes normally won't be this long. Hopefully, we'll try to have them at half as long or, you know, a little bit over an hour. But like I said, a lot need to be yet uh, addressed in this episode. So I hope you guys did enjoy. Absolutely loved having a conversation, catching up with everyone. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully being back a week from now. Again, we're on a steady schedule each week regarding our Rangers and seeing how they're doing. But yeah, one of the best teams in the league right now. They have 35 points on the season. They're currently second in the Metro, only to the Washington Capitals. So 
yeah, we'll see how they do in the next four games. Uh, Steven, uh, final remarks before we get out of here. Um, yeah, let's hope Shashorkin's back uh, when we play uh, when we play the Nashville Predators. That'd be awesome. All right, let's hope let's hope so indeed. Nashville's actually ahead of the Avs right now in the standings. I know, I know. Uh, I, I, Shostorkin's on IR, so he can be activated again on Saturday. He can play again on Saturday. <laughs> so he's missing the next three games against the Blackhawks, Avalanche, and Sabres. I think safe bet is that Igor doesn't play again until Colorado, in Colorado. Gives him a little bit more extended time. Okay. How many games is Husker going to play, do you think? At most he's, one. At, at most one. He's gonna play against Chicago and then Georgiev against Colorado on the back to back, right? Or do you go with Huska? No, for no, it's game? already been announced. Georgiev's playing tomorrow. Oh, so to go with Huska for the home game. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But again, folks, thank you so much for watching and listening wherever you get your podcasts. This is episode number forty, Rangers Review, which oh. means who's the most famous number forty, Stephen? Most famous. Oh, oh, Steve Valaket. Come on, come on. Yes. <laughs> have to start with Steve Valaket there. Shout out to Steve. But uh, shout out to Steve Valaket. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. You'll ever meet. Um, let's go over the list. 14 players in Rangers history. Uh, of course, the current backup goalie, Alexander right. Georgiev. Michael Grabner. Brandon Mashinter. Uh, former first overall pick, Roman Hammerlick. Uh, Eric Christensen, Steve Valiquet, Chris Holt, UC Markkinen, Johan Holmquist, Dennis Vial, Jay Moore, Randy Heath, Kelly Miller, and the first player in Rangers history to wear number 40 in 1982-83 was Mark Pavlik. I'm going to go on a limb and say that Valiquet's your favorite one. On a personal level, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I always liked Michael Grabner because he's my he, favorite. Yeah. He joined the Rangers around the same time I moved to Austria and he's from Austria. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. There was a little sort of sort of a connection there. Uh he also scored the first goal at the Winter Classic. So yep. the only goal I remember. Um <laughs> no. no, yeah, between him and Valakat. But yeah, Valakat is uh yeah. If if anyone ever runs into him, I mean, he's the nicest guy. He's tall though. Oof. I know he, he's. How tall are you, Stephen? I don't know. One seven, one meter, seventy five centimeters. I, I think that's five eleven. Okay. Yeah, because I was gonna say that. I don't. I don't know any of that meter stuff. No, you you no. got me lost there. But okay. Uh, so before we sign off, Eric Christensen, uh, who wore number forty in twenty twelve. Stephen, don't. What? What are you gonna say about Eric Christensen that I don't already know? I already know. <laughs> and that'll do it, folks. Thank you so he's, much for watching. Uh, he's Darth Vader's cousin. I know he is Darth Vader's cousin. That'll do it. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great rest of your day whenever you're watching this, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Rangers. Right. Let's go, Rangers.